welcome to episode 23 of the Readers on the Wall. My name is Harrison, and joining me today are my lovely co-hosts, Madison and Brooke. How's it going, guys? It's going good. It's going good. Real excited. It's going to be good. So today is our very first Thronies Award show, and we're hyped. So um, the, the basis Ooh. of it is um, this is our award show for the first book in a Song of Ice and Fire series of Game of Thrones. This is kind of our way to send it off, off into the sunset. We're going to hand out awards for um, best POV, best chapters in each of the POVs, best female and male characters, storylines, humorous moments, things like that. And it's going to be a ton of fun. <laughs> it's it's going to be really good, guys. Yeah. So, um, Madison, why don't you give us a quick rundown on how on the format of how we're going to give out these the awards and how we went about this and so on. Okay, so here's the breakdown. Here's kind of our format we're going to go with. There are 16 uh, categories total. And like Harrison said, they range from everything to biggest big moment to best male character, best you know individual POV characters. And we've split them up. Well, there's three of us, so obviously we couldn't split them evenly. Harrison has six categories that he's going to judge for. And Brooke and I each have five categories that we're going to judge for. So the the character, or the, sorry, the the nomination categories that we're not (laughs) judging for, we each nominated two entries into each category. And so each category will have four nominations chosen by two people and one judge. And then we're hoping to, to get through these with maybe some heated debates, maybe some interesting tidbits, but more than anything, this is for fun. And I'm just super excited to, to, <laughs> to see who takes home the thronies. It's yeah. Yeah. So we're going to keep track of uh, who, you know, you know, of course we're going to keep track of what category gets the award, but also who is the person who nominated it. And we're going to see out of the three of us who got the most awards for their personal nominations. Dun, dun, dun. Pretty much, it's, it's, it's suspense. Like, I, I kind of wish there was like a little audience in the background just clapping right now. Oh my gosh, we're so excited. Are we going to have, um, have the music that starts to play if you start to talk too long? <laughs> Possib- like possibly. Because Madison needs to be aware of that. I need to know what my timer is set at. <laughs> because if I feel like I'm falling behind, I might get really passionate about some of these categories. It's true. And, and and who knows, the acceptance speeches might get very emotional. <laughs> yep. We do have a trophy, guys. Um, I have here a little, it's a, probably a, a four-inch little figurine of Jamie Lannister's golden hand. And uh, we're going to pass this around. The winner will get to keep this until the next installment of the Thronies. So it's a really treasured prize that whoever has it will 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 display in all its glory in their home it's gonna be huge <laughs> huge bragging rights and a very good topic of conversation in parties and small gatherings i believe <laughs> yes that's correct <laughs> okay guys do you want to do you just want to jump right in and get and get this done okay so our uh, our first, so we're going to go through the different POV chapters first. I thought that would be a good starting point for us. And the first category up is the best aria chapter. In this category, our lovely judge Brooke will uh, judge 
and myself and Madison will be doing the nominations. All right. Okay. So um, I think what we'll do is I'll nominate one and then Madison will nominate one and then we'll go back to me and then we'll go back to you. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. My first nomination for the Aria chapters, there's only, I think, six to choose from, but that doesn't, uh, <laughs> that doesn't devalue my nominations because they deserve it. Um, my, fir- <laughs> my first uh, nomination is Aria 4. In this chapter, this is where Sirio and Arya are practicing their their sword dancing. And in the middle of a lesson, um, Sir Marin Trant and a couple of Kingsguard come to take Arya away. Sirio defends Arya at this moment, and we are left with the mystery of if he is alive or not. He's not alive, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways... And then it goes on to her. Um, she runs back to the ta- to the Tower of the Hand to see a lot of a lot of the Stark men killed, and then she heads into the dungeons to a mysterious end. And uh, let's see. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put out my my reasoning now. So the reason why I think this chapter is so amazing is not only do we get probably one of the best minor characters, like kind of their their ending of Serial Pharrell, but this is a great moment where, I mean, we get to see the fall of a ma- of the mentor. You know, that's a pretty big, you know, trope that happens in stories all the time that the mentor is killed. Mm-hmm. And then Arya has these like Obi-Wan Kenobi moments where his lessons are just so ingrained in her brain that she can hear his voice in the wind, basically. And that's going to, in, Basically, this chapter is solidifying something that we're going to see throughout the entire series. Sirio's um, lessons that, that he taught her, just, I mean, th- they're throughout the whole book. It shapes her whole life, basically. And on top of that, we get the really emotional moment where she gets to the Tower of the Hand. She sees all these Stark men dead. And, uh, and especially the moment she, I, think, I believe she, she kicks one of the dead men and says, you lied to me. You know, you're, you mm. said that you said that the Stark men were, you know, worth 10 times the Lannisters, but now you're all dead and the Lannisters are ruling. And I mean, that's just, a, you know, along with this great moment with Serio, it's this nice little heart wrench. And then Arya ends up killing um, a stable boy who's trying to take her away to take her to Cersei. And that's going to affect her whole life. I mean, there's just so many big, impactful moments in here. And it's written so well that I definitely think it deserves the reward, the award. It is a super solid choice. It is. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Madison, why don't you give us your your take? Well, I think that's a great nomination. Like you said, she only has a handful of chapters, but I could make a case for each one of her six being the best, honestly. So clap, Hmm. clap, clap. Okay, so my (laughs) first nomination is Aria 2. And in Aria 2, this is the chapter where um, she is kind of really seeing the toll that being powerful, being in charge, you know, all this, the stress of being hand of the king, she's starting to really realize the toll that this is having on her father. And we get to see that through her eyes. Um, so in this chapter, she has a meal with her family and her septa and basically throws a big old Arya v. Sansa style temper tantrum. They're at odds and she runs off and throws herself in her room and goes to hide. And that's when we have this really adorable heartwarming moment between Ned and Arya and it was done so well in the show but it's even better in the books 
So I really love this chapter because we get an idea of who Arya is. We get reminded that she's just a little girl. You know, she's been, we've seen her be big and bad and um, daring and, you know, adventurous. But this is a great reminder that even though she's bold and speaks her mind, she's also still just a kid and she's a loner and she wants to be by herself and nobody gets her. Um, I love that we get some history on Liana in this chapter. Um, mostly, though, that big, beautiful moment between Arya and Ned, it just really warms my heart. We do get a Winter is Coming reference in this chapter, which is all, always good to see. <laughs> and at the very end, we meet one of our favorite minor characters, Serial Pharrell. So we said goodbye to him and, and Harrison. <laughs> I'm like, that's sad. But in my chapter, we get to meet Serial for the first time. Like, who's this Ooh. guy? I don't know, but I love him. She's throwing daggers here. So I was gonna say the first the first shade you. the first shade has been thrown. <laughs> yeah, I'm like let's look look at look at the sunny side of things, guys. Just meet a cool dude. So anyway, that's that's Arya too, and I it, I I love it. Like I said, mostly for that father daughter bonding moment when he finds Needle and he's like, you know what, you should keep it, and not only do you get to keep it, but I support you. So I'm a big fan of that. Well, which that that I mean, not not that I'm trying to boost your nomination because this is an all right <laughs> chapter, I guess. But that is a very heart. That is an extremely heartwarming moment, and I think it's just a great like parent moment that I think any parent who would read that be like, "Dang, I wish I hope I'm that kind of a parent." If For something sure. like this, mm-hmm. if something like this, in any capacity happens, I hope that I could be the parent who's right. just like, you know what. You obviously love this. You're obviously passionate about it. Let's go for it. Let's let's go. Right. Let's let's go far in this. Let's not just you know put it aside. Let's let it out and express it. You know exactly. Not not only am I going to permit it, but I'm going to support you. I encourage you. I am all about it. So you're right. As a parent, it's just a special chapter. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Um, okay, my next uh, nomination is Aria Five. And I think we can just all agree that this is the most shocking chapter in the entire book. Um, so this this chapter is actually broken into two parts, which some people would be like, oh, it's all disconnected. But no, you get two stories in one chapter. I mean, how can you go what wrong? What more could you ask for? <laughs> exactly. So the first chapter... <laughs> So the first, the, more, the first more bang for your buck. Exactly. Come on, you get two for one here, people. <laughs> so the first section of the chapter is we get to see Arya in her in, in her. You know, this is where she's adjusting. She's she's basically kicked out of the castle. She can't go back because the Lannisters have taken over. They're killing any Stark that shows up. And Arya is adjusting to the life of living in Flea Bottom. We get to see her survival instincts kick in we get to see her just not thriving but i mean you know you read this and you're like this chick this little girl's like eight years old but she's got this great mind she she knows like okay i need to avoid this area because people will try and steal my stuff she knows how to protect her sword she is very um, when she goes to the ship that was supposed to bring her home she she's looking at it she has we we also get that uh, Serial Pharrell Obi Wan Kenobi moment, you know, where she thinks I should look with my eyes, and she looks. She doesn't recognize the Stark men that are guarding the boat. She backs out of it, and then after that, and all, and all, and also along with this, like it's not all just about Arya. 
you know, this is just because it's an Arya chapter doesn't mean it's just about her. But we For also sure. get kind of this cultural um, <clears throat> look into Flea Bottom. We know kind of what it's like on a, you know, just on a normal day in Flea Bottom. You know, we get all these great characters. We learn about, we learn about, about brown suit people. That's big. <laughs> like, that's a big deal. That bowl of brown, you know. Um, <laughs> but then it transitions to the next, to the next section. Probably, probably the I would say in the top three most shocking moments in the entire series with the execution of Ned. Uh, I mean, I think like we discussed in our one chapter, I mean, we can all basically remember where we were, what we ate that day when the day that Ned Stark died in our minds. (laughs) And it's just kind of ingrained in our brain. Um, I know it's not only is it a shocking moment, but it's written so well that we don't see it coming. And I mm-hmm. love the fact that people in the story didn't see it coming. I mean, you get Cersei and Barris, and, you know, everybody's just like flailing their arms and running towards Joffrey trying to stop him. And I just like how we're panicking and they're panicking, which increases our panic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's my reasons why I think Arya 5 deserves the award. Very good. All right, so I chose for my second nomination my personal favorite Aria chapter, which is Aria 3. And this is the chapter where it comes in hot with Aria and (laughs) Sirio um, sparring and doing their their water dancing lessons. And the thing I love the most about this first half of the chapter is all of the symbolism with the cats. Um, Just real quick, I want to read this. The Red Keep mm-hmm. was full of cats, lazy old cats dozing in the sun, cold-eyed mousers twitching their tails, quick little kittens with claws like needles, ladies' cats or la- ladies' cats all combed and trusting, ragged shadows prowling um, in the midden heaps. So um, there's just several references like this, but I just love chapters that have, um, you know, they have something there to be unraveled. You know, the the foreshadowing and the Easter eggs and this chapter is absolutely loaded with them. And I just love that anytime we get it. Um, and in this book, we get it quite a bit. Um, I love all of our Serio's um, little little bits of advice that are also sword forms. You know, he's teaching her sword forms, but he's teaching her life lessons. So these sword forms like, you know, calm as still water and smooth as summer silk, swift as a deer, those come up all through this chapter. But then we hear them again um, in the chapter that Harrison first referenced, they come back as in life lesson form. Um, <laughs> so I just love the way it's written and the dynamic between her and Sirio. And even though we only see Sirio a grand total of three times in this book, um, and the little tidbits we get, we really feel like we get to know him and what kind of guy he is and how he's wise and cunning and cool and yeah everyone likes the little cereal for L. so after um <laughs> after she has her water dancing lesson with cereal she goes off chasing cats because that's her goal is to chase the big bad cat and catch him and she ends up down in the dungeons and i love the visual of um, her meeting the dragon skeletons i just that's just so cool to me so ominous so foretelling and then also, this is when she overhears all the conniving that's going on between um, Illyrio Mopatis, Mo- 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 is that right? Mm-hmm. Mopatis? Mm-hmm. Anyway, and Varys. 
And again, we had so much fun. I think one reason I love this chapter so much is because I had so much fun talking about it with you guys. Like this was a fun episode when we really got to like unravel it and point out the reasons why it should be obvious. Maybe not obvious that it's those two guys for a first time reader, but the little bits that let you know who's who. And um, really the plot just thickens right here because we realized that, you know, we got this going on in the North. We got this going on in King's Landing. And then there's this whole other, um, there's this whole other side to what's going on with Danny. And we're finding out about, you know, the Targaryens may not be a large force. That's obvious, but they have something brewing. And so that's just like another plot thickening element. And mm-hmm. then we get to the very end when Yorin shows up. And the plot thickens again. So this chapter is entertaining and it's just full of meat. It's full of stuff that comes back over and over and over again throughout the series. And I just love a chapter that's loaded with nothing but just nuggets. Just nuggets of good stuff. <laughs> that's a lot of thickener. That's a lot of thickener. I mean, it's gone past being like a gravy at this point. Like, <laughs> like I don't know if you can salvage it. It's just a meal. It's just a meal. No, I, I do. I do have to agree. I, I I think the moment that Arya is listening to Varys and Illyria talk, it just like expands the plot. It just it's just like oh, right. Like there's a whole other thing going on here. It's mm-hmm. not just this like murder mystery story. It, there's a big deep thing going on. But yep. it, anyways, anyways, it, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered how much you liked this chapter, though, Madison. Before we, I even went back and started reading through my notes. And I saw that you had to nominate one of these chapters. I was like, oh, I know she's going to go for that one. Because I remember how much you loved discussing that chapter. Mm-hmm. It was a fun chapter. It really was. Oh, good okay. old days. It's okay. time. For it's in your hands. Okay. So, Harrison, I will say you almost had me. With your uh-huh. Aria 5 discussion. But I have to go with Aria 2. Madison, <gasps> you win. Oh my gosh! Bum, bum, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yes, my personal favorite of that chapter. I love the interaction between Ned and Aria. That is just the most heartwarming. It's like the warmest we see Ned in the entire series. And... Mm-hmm. The part, my personal favorite part of that chapter is when um, Arya's thinking about how she's always by herself and like her sister and her sister's friends call her Arya Horseface and Ned compares her to Liana and says how beautiful Liana was. So that means Arya's yes. beautiful too. And that, mm. that is what sold it right there for me. So, man, wait, way to melt my cold, cold heart. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I didn't see that coming. I didn't. <laughs> well, congratulations. Congratulations, Mad- Madison, on the f- on our first Throny Award. Very impressive. I gotta say, there are no losers. Like, not to sound corny, but this book is so good that every chapter could be a winner. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> no, no. So, so, so honestly, like in let me think. I I I know there's one chapter in Clash of Kings, and I could think of like maybe two other chapters in the series that i'm like yeah that's kind of a dud like it's just a little t- it's a little too down and there's not much happening mm-hmm. uh there's not there's not a single one in this book that is there just isn't. like oh yeah that one i'm just gonna skip that one you know mm-hmm. like it's just yeah it's so good okay not- well that was our our first award guys how does it feel does it feel good guys we, that was oh, fun we're in the mode i like this i feel the competition no, 
Okay. Um, we're going to move on to our next category. And this is the, I'm actually very excited about this one because I get to judge it. And <laughs> um, the next category is the best Sansa chapter in the book. And Brooke and Madison are going to give us their two nominations apiece. And I just want to note that um, when I, when I sent when, when I, I decided to do this reread and discuss these with other people, one of my first thoughts was, okay, I really want to look into Sansa as a character and understand why people like her so much because I didn't really like her that much. Like, I just kind of find her a little boring. And I was just like, meh. But I think part of that was because Sophie Turner was the actress for her. And I, I'm not actually a, a Sophie Turner fan. Sorry to all you fans out there. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I know. Shame me. You guys are just going to disconnect right now. Just be done. <laughs> um, anyways, but. Sansa as a character in this book was phenomenal. Um, I, be- I believe she's nominated for one of the best females in the book, and I think she totally deserves it, just to plant that right now. Um, but, <laughs> guys, uh, why don't you guys give me uh, your nominations? Uh, let's start. Uh, Brooke, why don't you start with your first nomination? Okay, so my first nomination for the best Sansa chapter is Sansa 6. Um, so in this chapter... Sansa just personally witnessed the execution of Ned. Yorin was not there to shield her from that terrible, terrible scene. Um, so Sansa is in bed. She can't really get out of bed. She's not eating. She is super depressed. Um, in the meantime, creepy old Pycelle comes in and does his molesty, molesty thing with her, trying to heal her because he's just terrible. And um, then Joffrey comes in after a while and demands that he come to court uh, or that she come to court so that she can be seen because she is his lady, even though he just executed her father. Um, And then after court, he takes her up to the ramparts to witness Ned's head on a spike, as well as the Septa and some of the other Winterfell men. And um, then we... I love this chapter because we get to see sassy Sansa. She like <laughs> gives no fucks anymore. She's done. She stands up to Marin Trant. Um, she realizes that she is nothing to him. He, after he beats her, Joffrey orders Marin Trant to beat her because she is not obeying him. And uh, she, he comes back to bring her down to court and. She asks him, you know, what what would happen if I didn't go with you? And he asked if he was if she was refusing to go. And in that moment, Sansa realized that he she means nothing to him. She he's just following Joffrey's orders. It's a job to him. He doesn't love her. He doesn't hate her. He he's not. She is nothing to him. Um. So, and then at this point, we also get some. Uh, actually, before that, we get some tender moments. Little. Uh, subtle tender moments between her and the hound where the hound's kind of just telling her you know do what you have to do to get through this you know he just wants you to be his lady love and you know you just got to do what you got to do be the sweet little bird that you know how to be um and then at the end Sansa again she's out on the ramparts she sees her father's head she's ignoring things she's just trying to get through it and Joffrey is just trying everything he can to get a rise out of her And then Sansa gets this crazy thought, like, what if I pushed him over the edge? And the hound, again, kind I feel at least, kind of swooped in to save her, got in between her and Joffrey. And so that's why I just love this chapter. There's 
There's, you know, Joffrey being a total brat, but that's why we love Joffrey. We love to hate him. <laughs> let's be honest. And we get moments with the Hound, and we get Sassy Sansa, and I, I just think it's a good chapter. So it's an excellent chapter. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share my thoughts uh, when I give my winner. I'll share my thoughts then. Okay. Okay. So my right. first nomination is Sansa One, and this is about uh, depending on the book you're reading. It's about 150 pages into the into the story and so it's kind of a surprise to get a new pov character and at this point in the story they are on the king's road headed from winterfell to king's landing and sansa just thinks like the world is her oyster at this point she could not be happier (laughs) she is living the dream she is on her way to become a lady of court she is going to marry the prince you know, she's going to be queen someday. She's getting in good with the Lannister. She just feels like, you know, <laughs> life is going good. Can't get any better than this. Um, little does she know that something is going to happen today that literally sends the rest of her life into a spiral. So um, the the queen and her kids ride in this massive wheelhouse carriage that's like a little apartment on wheels and um her and Arya have an invitation to go hang out with them for the day and sansa's been looking forward to this for a long time and she gets super annoyed that Arya is not coming she's not interested she's gonna no show she's out exploring and doing really gross annoying stuff and sansa even says (laughs) that she hates riding horses and it's kind of funny because here pretty soon she's like, oh, I love riding horses to Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> but we, not only do we get a really good, I love world building. Anywhere I can pick up world building, I just eat it up. But we get a really good idea of what the side looks like and how beautiful it is. We meet Sir Ellen Payne. She's totally freaked out by him. And we meet some other cast and crew as well. But she's totally freaked out with it by him. Has no social graces here. She's just like, who is this ugly dude in her head? And he really upsets her. And so at his mother's prodding, Joffrey offers to take her on a little a little date. And she is just like, this is it. My life is perfect. <laughs> so um, she does not take Lady with her, unfortunately. That's another great thing about the chapter, by the way. Lady. Lady's here. Oh, Lady. <laughs> lady. No. So she doesn't get to take L- Lady, but they go on this like terribly romantic horseback ride and magically she loves riding horses now even though she was just (laughs) bitching about it a few minutes ago um they go on a horse ride they have a picnic it's just like gross and sticky ooey gooey like how much they're like you know she's looking at him and pining for him and he's basically being pretty arrogant and only talking about himself but she can't see it and basically there's an altercation between um joffrey and micah it really wasn't an altercation it was just um, Joff totally uh, being an asshole. Anyway, he gets cut, and it's it's it all it all goes bad from here. He he shows Sansa his true colors for the first time, and it's when we as the reader real. I mean, we already had a pretty good idea of what kind of guy he was, but he just turns at her and just spits and says, "Do not touch me," and like sends her to go get somebody. And I just love how it sets up exactly where their motivations are, exactly who we're dealing with, exactly how delusional Sansa is, exactly how how turned upside down and how caught off guard that she really is by how bad everything's about to get. Um, 
so anyway, I just love what how this sets up their relationship, her and, and Arya's, and also her and Joffrey's, also her and her father, her and her septa. It just sets up exactly how the relationships are going to go from here on out and really gives the reader this expectation, this preconceived notion of who Sansa is and why she is. And it really sets up for a great full character arc in the future. So that's why I like it. Beautiful. I love it. All right, Brooke. <clears throat> All right. So my next nomination was Sansa 3. Um, so in this chapter, Sansa is talking with Jane Poole um, about why her father did not send Sir Loras to kill Sir Gregor after um, Ned stripped him of his land and titles. Uh, I think I, he sent Beric Dondarrion instead. She thinks it's because his leg is sore and he's in a terrible mood. Um, <laughs> so the next day, Ned reveals that he is going to send her and Arya back to Winterfell. And Sansa is just all up in arms about this. Obviously, she is still in love with Prince Joffrey. She wants to have all of his babies with golden hair. And, oh. <laughs> and De- she definitely the cringiest line. <laughs> right? She can't possibly leave him. And um, this is when Ned gets the epiphany about Twincest and the fact that Joffrey is a Lannister bastard. And um, so that's why I nominated this chapter. Because even though Sansa's whining about Prince Joffrey drives me insane, this is where Ned finally figures out what is going on. So this is why I nominated that chapter. Beautiful. All right, Madison, your last nomination. I'm going to take a cue from Brooke and try to trim it down a little bit since we do have quite a few characters. Just so easy to like, talk and talk. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. For my next Sansa nomination, I nominate Sansa 2. And I noticed that I do this a few times where I nominate a lot of back-to-back chapters. I don't know what that's all about. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is the chapter where we really get to get to know what it's like to go to a tournament in King's Landing. Again, me, world building, love it. Um, so this is the tourney of the Hand of the King. And there, I don't feel like you can just taste the excitement. Um, like I said, Sansa, and like Brooke said, Sansa, let's just say this, she stays pretty delusional the whole time until the <laughs> end when she kind of snaps into it. But she's still delusional about knights and um, the stories that go behind them and all the pomp and circumstance and how regal and gold everything is so it is kind of fun to attend this tourney through her eyes through her perspective if you will um my favorite part about this chapter is all the backstories that we get from different um from different perspectives and because i'm such a fan of the hound and his relationship with these girls and how he reluctantly shows his soft side i will say that's why this is my nomination is because of the relationship that kind of buds between Sansa and the Hound when he has a very vulnerable and honest and tells her a story that I don't think he's ever told anyone before. So um, that's why I nominated it was mostly because of the visual that goes along with attorney and the moment between Sansa and the Hound when he walks her home in Joffrey's place. Love it, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just so you know, this this these four chapters you guys picked was probably the hardest choices I had to make. 
in all of these nominations. Ooh. I mean, and and just just for your information, my preliminary choice for the winner actually changed because of this discussion that we just had. <laughs> so just to just to put it out there. And how intense this was because <laughs> honestly honestly these chapters that you guys laid out i mean probably i mean it let they're probably in line for the best chapters in the book period to me just because Impossibly. a lot of these a, a lot of these chapters I, I i felt the most emotion when i was reading sansa chapters this time around like you're reading them and once you get past like the the moments of you're just really annoyed at Sansa for being, you know, a girl and just being all <laughs> fritzy about stuff. It, but when you get into it, you're just like, man, like I got, I got angry. I got sad. I got excited about these moments. And that's a good chapter. This is Grim bringing out his 14 year old girl in his writing. <laughs> <gasps> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 assume, I assume that Sansa chapters are probably a little difficult for him to write. <laughs> okay. So um, I, I do want to hand out an honorable mention first before I reveal the winner. Yeah. Um, my honorable mention is going to go to Sansa one, which was Madison's nomination. Um, reason being Sansa one in combination with the next um, Ned chapter is the greatest little short story ever. Like, like mm-hmm. it's such a cool little story in there because mm-hmm. it sticks it in the middle of the book, uh, in the middle, but the middle of the beginning of the book. And it's like, th- if you took these two chapters and published it as just a little story, it'd be, it'd be perfect. Like that's all you would need to know really. Because there's just this, there's this great moment where Sansa's dreams basically are shattered due to Joffrey being such an asshole. And then Ned's chapter where Ned's view on Robert is totally destroyed Mm. because of the Mm -hmm. way he reacts to this. And it's just so, it's so good. This I've I've read, I've read those two chapters probably 10 times. And this time I read it, I was just like, this is so good. So my honorable mention is going to go to Sansa one, but just to note that wasn't, that wasn't my preliminary winner. So, wow, even better. Right? So, the winner of the best Sansa chapter is going to go to. (laughs) It's going to go to Sansa 6, which Brooke nominated. That was the chapter where it's the aftermath of Ned's execution. And I had two notes that um, you brought up in your your discussion that really hit me, actually. Kind of like what I mentioned about general Sansa chapters this chapter was probably the most emotional for me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was just, it was just this roller coaster and it hits you so hard, especially the moment with Marin Trant. I think that was like a moment when that I was reading, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't even realize how intense that moment is when she's, when she comes to get him or when, when, when he comes to get her and she just straight up tells him like, you're no true knight at all. And I was yeah. just like, just blew my beautiful moment right there and just another moment another thing that i actually realized while you're chatting the hound when he's talking to sansa he's he's like look just do what he says just go along with it blah blah blah." you know he comforts her when she gets hit again and i think it's interesting the hound never says like oh everything's gonna eventually be all right like it's gonna be fine like he never says that to her and i think that's that's very the hound you know he's very just he's like no it, this sucks and it's gonna right. suck 
but this is what you could do to make it suck less. <laughs> so it's true. right. So, anyways, Brooke, congratulations on your on your first Throny Award. Congratulations, Brooke. Thank you. And honestly, after after you reminding me everything that happened in that chapter and took me back to how I feel, I sat there. I was like, mm, I would vote for this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I concur, inject, Harrison. I have to inject <laughs> a new award, though, because Sansa 2 gets the award for the most giggly podcast show because it was just <laughs> Madison and I going solo. And if you haven't listened to it it's yet, true. you gotta because it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was reading, I was listening to it when I was editing it or like getting it published up on Anchor and Spotify and everything. And I was just like, oh my gosh, these, these two are just killing it right now. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, I think we're going to move on to our next category. This is the best Catalan chapter. The pro- what, I don't know, in the fandom, a very controversial character. I feel like I, f- I feel like there's a lot of heated debate when it comes to Catalan as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so Madison is going yeah. to be our judge. I chose to judge this because I'm a known. I mean, I just, I'm really hard on Catelyn. I'm not going to say I'm a hater necessarily, but I'm really hard on her. And I put a lot of blame on her that I, I do feel like is due. So I, I decided <laughs> that I wanted to, I wanted to judge this, this category though, because I want, I'm hoping to, to have some new light shed on some things and just remind me of the, what's to appreciate about Catelyn. So do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so that means uh, myself and Brooke will be doing the nominations. Um, Brooke, why, why don't you start us out? All right. So I chose as my first nomination, Catelyn 11. So this Catelyn chapter is great because we get tender, loving mother moments when she's thinking about Rob and, you know, she's realizing that even though he's dressed up in this armor and he's winning battles, that he is still a boy and he's been thrust into this leadership role. And, you know, she's watching him pray in the godswood after this huge battle and she's realizing how much he's growing into his father, but she's also wondering, you know, has... Has he ever kissed a girl in the godswood before? Has he had a chance to be a child and, 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 you know, live his life to the fullest to this point? So we get those tender moments and it's, it's, it's a nice contrast to all the moments like Theon bragging about how great the battle was. Um, we also get these terrible heart-wrenching moments when all of a sudden Catelyn's in the middle of a thought and she thinks of Ned and it's right after Ned's execution again and she you can just feel the pain in her heart over losing her husband we get an awesome reunion um, between Cat and Lord Hoster Tully even though he's dying you know he gets the biggest smile on his face when Cat walks in the room he was waiting for her um, so I love that and of course the end Rob is crowned <laughs> king in the north and I mean, how much better can that get? So that's why I nominated Catelyn Eleven. The hype for this in this chapter is so real. So real. <laughs> like, it's yeah, just, I mean, that's uh... gonna be a hard one to top. Like, I'm just gonna tell you, it's, gonna, it's a hard one. To top. <laughs> <laughs> Your I, turn. Understandable. <laughs> okay, um, my first nomination for the best Catelyn chapter is Catelyn Three. Um, this chapter takes place after Bran has fallen from the tower. And what is so great about this chapter is not only is Catelyn in this very vulnerable, very, re- you know, she's totally distraught over this event that happened. Her son has 
is crippled. I mean, he's not even, I guess technically he's not, he's not crippled at this moment to her. She's thinking he's going to die. And she is so desperately trying to keep him alive. But not only is she in that state, but I feel like the narration of the story is in that state. If you, as you're reading, you can kind of notice like the types of words that are used in it are very harsh. They're very short and quick. And it's just a great moment. It's just a great narrative moment in terms of the writing. But uh, we also get a moment when um, we get that kind of really good raw emotional moment with Rob. He comes up to see her and Bran and he's basically like, look, I can't do this. Like I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be running this place. Uh, Rickon is like dragging, you know, holding onto my leg and dra- I have to drag him everywhere because he doesn't know what's happening. And you can just kind of see the the boy Rob coming through right there. You know, he's just so desperate for some type of comfort, but his mother is just in a state that she isn't willing or able to give it to him. And then we get the then the fire starts, and then the assassination attempt actually happens, and just reading the struggle between Catelyn so desperately trying to stop this guy from killing her son. It's just, it's, it's brutal. It's intense. I mean, my butt was like clenched the whole time <laughs> I was reading it because, and, and in that moment where the blade goes for her throat and she reaches up and grabs it with her bare hands, that desperate, mm. you know, intensities to survive and to stop this man from killing her son is just like, ah, oh. and then after, and then of course, summer comes in and, and saves and saves her, which is a great moment for Catelyn. Cause that's when she realizes like, okay, these dogs are okay. I guess, <laughs> like, I guess they're all right. You know, they saved my life. Um, and then we get the shift to where Catelyn wakes up and you can even notice that the narrative has softened just as Catelyn has. She's recovered. She's rested. She's actually slept which she hasn't done in so long since Bran fell from the tower. And then she makes the decision to go down to see Ned and to figure out who sent the assassin, why it happened and what they're going to do about it to solve it. So it's a, it's a great powerful chapter with these great moments. Ooh. And I expect, and I especially love the narrative shift between the distraught Catalan and rested Catalan. So that, that's oh, why wow. I've nominated Catelyn's. Man, theme. not gonna lie, that got me good. <laughs> I, take, I take it back. That's the one to beat. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I try. <sighs> so second nomination I had for Catelyn was Catelyn 10. So the chapter right before my first nomination. This chapter details mm. the batter of the Whispering Wood. And this chapter is so cool. I have never read a battle scene quite like this one, where the point of view for the narrator is almost the same as the reader. We are experiencing the battle in almost the same way that they are. They can't directly see the battle. They can only hear what's going on. And in our mind, that's what we hear when we're reading these things. Um, So I think that's really cool. And obviously, Rob Stark prevailed. And they captured Jamie Folk and Lannister. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I'm just going to interject the note in here just to give you, you know, to give you some extra points, I guess, Brooke, to help you out in this moment. <laughs> My mercy. <laughs> Anyways, so, um, like I mentioned a couple times on this podcast, I actually don't have a very good imagination. So I'm kind of, it's kind of tough for me to read new books that don't have a movie or a TV show or like visual guides for it. 
But what's really interesting about this battle is I could imagine it a little better, even better because of how limited it was. Um, someone, someone famous and really awesome said these words. They said that l- limiting yourself or limiting oneself leads to creativity. And that actually helped. That actually worked in this chapter because I wasn't so distracted by, oh, like the color of all the armor and, oh, okay, where are these people exactly? Are they on the hill? How many people are there? You know, all the numbers. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, just imagine Grimm sitting there and he's just like, okay, how can I write a battle scene? And I can't see it. I mean, right. that, that just brews creativity. So anyways, it's an all right chapter and I don't know if it deserves <laughs> a reward for uh, it, but okay. anyways... <laughs> Let's get on to my next nomination. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. Great, great choice there, bro. Um, my, my second nomination for Best Catelyn Chapter is Catalyst 6. This is the chapter where she arrives at the Eyrie and she travels up it. Some of the great points of this chapter, we get to meet the Blackfish. And, I, and I'm about 90% sure that we get kind of that line where she looks upon her brother and you know, he has a fit, you know, she's so used to seeing the blackfish smiling and happy, but it's all gone now because of the wars, because of the turmoil that's happening. So that was, that was a pretty raw moment. And then we get just the most majestic, beautiful visual of the, the veil of Aaron. I mean, it just blows your mind as you, as you, as you travel through the area along with her. And then we get the struggle of her climbing, climbing up to the top of this mountain. We also get to meet Maya Stone in this chapter. And one thing that Grimm's very good at is like Maya Stone, she's, she's in, this is the only appearance she has, this small little section in the Catalan chapter. And yet we fall in love with her. Like, we're just like, oh, I wish we could stick, stick around her a little longer and learn more about her. Mm-hmm. But we don't. And it's, it's not disappointing, but it's just like, oh, that's, that's so crazy that like literally like, Three, three, three paragraphs in, and I already want to know everything, everything about Maya Stone. And uh, so we get the struggle of her going up, up the mountain. And then when she arrives, we expect this to be a great moment. You know, the trial of getting to the top of the mountain to visit her sister. And it's just the biggest disappointment ever. And we, as the readers, we're reading it and our hearts just sink. Like it's just an emotional moment for when Lysa is just a total, just, that shit crazy and we're just like oh my gosh what has happened and even Catelyn recognizes you know a little later or at the end of that chapter where she's just like i can't believe i brought Tyrion here like this is oh my <laughs> gosh this is not what i expected uh it i mean it's, just, it's a great moment for her and us as a reader so that's why i've nominated that chapter Whew. okay so Whew. <laughs> What's interesting is when you start to think of these POVs as chapters and what, just think about what happens within them and stop thinking of them as, oh, I really like this character or this character frustrates me. But when you start to view the chapters as individual entities, you realize how much, it's not a chapter about Catelyn or a chapter about Ned. It's, oh man, they're all so action packed. So you guys picked four really good chapters that, <laughs> And I'm thinking, wow, I like am not even frustrated at Catelyn at all, like listening to all of this. Um, <laughs> if I'm honest, as I'm talking right now, I'm still not sure who I'm gonna pick. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> okay, so, again, like when when you started talking about eleven, I was like, this has to be the one. 
Um, same with chapter, you know, Catlin three, when it comes to, um, 10 and six. Okay. So you guys know, I love world building. So six is really special mm. to me. Okay. Based on <laughs> what I know. I, I, I love this by the way. <laughs> the struggle is so real. Yeah. Right okay. Based on I... my gut and also the, the way it was explained tonight, I'm going to go with Catlin three. Yeah. Woo! Nice. Good job, Harrison. <laughs> and I didn't thank see that you. coming. I didn't see that one coming. So good job. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I, it, it really is. It really is quite a special chapter. It's just, it's great. Um, it's okay, you know what so, got me? The conversation what? with her and Rob and how she couldn't even see beyond her pain to, mm-hmm. that's what got me to tend to tend to her other children. That's, heart-wrenching and it makes you wonder as a mother i'd like to think about how i would act in that situation but we don't really know what it would be like to be in a situation like that so that's what got no, me. I, I i i totally agree um i mean i don't know just like a quick example like you know i mean just i i can't even imagine like my my son my son james like getting hurt and ended up in a hospital and being able to take my focus away from him to focus on my other kid and i'm just like i I wish i i wish i would be able to do that be able to not only comfort my son and and be able to comfort my daughter but i just don't even know and i hope i never have to experience that but Mm -hmm. yeah um so madison i i i want to i want to let you i want to have you put out an honorable mention too because i feel like this was a good struggle for you and i i what's what's an honorable mention for between the well, other nominations. Like, like I said, I could I could make a case for all four of these chapters. So I'm gonna simply because of my love of <sighs> because of my love, <laughs> okay because of my love for Tyrion, my love for world building, and because of once again how we get a dun 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 plot twist at the end with you know realizing that Eliza yeah, is not going to be any help. I'm gonna go with six as my um, <laughs> honorable mention. I think. Yeah, Ooh, I'm telling you, I really thought that the reunion with Hoster and King in the North. Like, I thought there's no way, but now that I sit here and analyze it, it's just so hard to pick. <sighs> Catelyn had some great chapters. She did. She did. I think. I, yeah, the thing is so great about. Catlin 11 with the king of the north moment it, it's just it, it's the ending of the book it's it's that one-two punch between the political story ending and the magical side starting and then in the danny chapter after that mm-hmm. and it's just it's just and also just the hype about it so i think that does definitely deserve some credit and i'm gonna i'm gonna put put forth this so we were thinking about doing the best battle scene but in all reality there's really only two that occur in the first book and that's between mm-hmm. the green fork and the whispering wood. Yep. And I, th- I think whispering wood definitely takes that award, at least I personally, I agree. just because, just because of the unique perspective of it. And it's just, it's just so much more, I don't know, like personal sounds like a weird way to say it, but it's just so like, you know, you're such, you're, unique. You're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, it's so yeah. unique, but it's also in Catelyn's mind, and you're just it's you're following intimate. her along. It's not with yet it. intimate. That, I think that's that's the word. Yes. that's the great word. 
So I think we're just I think we're gonna give an award to Catelyn uh, ten as the best battle scene. Just kind of a little. It'll be like a mini throny, like a tiny little throny. But just a note: we probably will end up doing best battle scene of the series at some point. So well, for sure. I think that'll be. I oh, think that'll of course. Be Duh. Okay. <laughs> well, that was Which, by great. the way. <laughs> Yeah, we can talk about this off camera, but I, I have a for the show. I have my favorite battle picked out, and it, it might surprise some people. But anyway, we'll Ooh. talk about that later. Ooh. Suspense, I like it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I got some ideas for our award show for the show for the for when we watch the first season, and it's gonna be cool. fun to figure, get that all hashed out. Yay! Um, okay, so great discussion on the Catlin chapters. Why don't we move on to the next one? And this chapter is the best Bran chapter and our judge for the this is going to be our very own brooke and right. myself and madison will be doing the nominations so all right bring um, your best guys because i am really unsure about this one i have <laughs> lots of thoughts so bring your best love it okay um here i'll i'll, I'll start okay so my first nomination is back at the very beginning good old brand one I mean, I mean, how iconic of an opening scene is this? It starts out with the execution of the Deserve of the Night's Watch, um, Garrod, and the moment that that sword swings and cuts his head off, we as the readers just realize, like, holy crap, the one guy who knew that the others were coming has just been silenced. And that whole thing is now completely covered up. No one knows it's coming. It's just very foreboding when you think about that. And I not, like the motion uh, to dismiss. I feel like this information is going to influence her decision, and you're not talking about brand one. Uh, ex- <laughs> um, excuse me. <laughs> this you're moment bringing stuff occurs. in from the prologue, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Things are getting intense in here. Carry on. Oh, Carry on. man. Brooke, do you sustain that objection? No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <I'm reading> <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay, so so that occurs. Then we get introduced to this great cast. I mean, these great characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, we're introduced to Ned, Bran, Rob, John, even you can even throw Theon in there as well. All five of them are introduced, and I I don't know, when I read it, I wasn't confused. I, it wasn't flustered. It wasn't crammed. It, mm. Each of them got their own section for us to know who they are. And after we're introduced to all these characters, we get this very iconic moment where they discover the direwolves. And, you know, they each get their own direwolf pup. The, the direwolf's dead. There's this suspicion amongst all the people. They're like, holy crap, like, we've never seen a direwolf before, and yet it's dead right in front of us. Um, we get the struggle of, you know, they're basically like, well, we should just kill them. And then Bran and, and Bran wants to keep them. John comes in with like, look, like it lines up with your kids. You're destined to have these. And it's just this like epic, like, oh, this is a big deal. Like people, people are like when people write the history books of Westeros and this time of age, it's going to be in the history book of like, yeah, it's Robin Grey Wind, his dire wolf. Like how epic is that sound? That um, is That is epic. The young and, just, and then I feel like so just to focus in on John for a moment, I feel like John wasn't fully fleshed out in the whole in this story yet. 
I think that comes very strongly in the next mm. book. But I think this is one of the very the, the the few moments in this book where John where John kind of shows maturity. He shows who he is, and I think that's a great moment for him. So that is why I've nominated Bran One to win the best Bran chapter. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Some people like to read books for the story. Some people <laughs> like to read books so that they can keep rereading them and keep talking about them for the rest of their life. <laughs> this Shocker, chapter yep. <laughs> of, of A Game of Thrones has, uh, let's see, it's very short. It has two of the three pages falling out, and the majority of it is highlighted and has notes in the margins. <laughs> and I'm talking about Bran 3, which I like to call the fall or the dream, because it isn't the push. It's not Bran 2. It's not when he's pushed from the window. It's the dream of the fall. And I just love this chapter. I love how the whole thing is a dream. And it just has so much ominous foretelling and foreshadowing and um you know, it can be interpreted 12 different ways. And every time I read it, I glean new and it's just so fun. So again, this is probably looking back. One of my favorite episodes we did is when we talked about and broke down this chapter it was so fun to me. Mm-hmm. So again, I have a little bit of a sentimental tie to it because I really <laughs> enjoyed that. But brand three to me is just, it never gets old. And it's always, it's, I mean, it's probably top period for me. In the top, you know, top, it's probably my top five, period. And just, it's, I love how they're able to pack so much entertainment into just just a handful of paragraphs, really. It's a super short chapter. So that's why I'm nominating Brand 3. Uh, yeah, just to note, I, I, told, I distinctly remember the day that we discussed this. It was a very cold day in my garage. And, oh, <laughs> and I think, I think we, t- we talked about that chapter for like an hour and 45 minutes or something. Like most yeah. of the show is just yeah. about that chapter. And yep. it was it was a great discussion. I think all three yeah. of us had moments where we were like, no, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of it that way. And yeah. it just mm-hmm. totally expanded our minds. So Yes. Also, one more thing to add. I, I also love that at the end of the chapter, he wakes up. So it's like it ends on a happy note. And he names Summer. I love the mm-hmm. ending of this chapter. Just very, it's like what does it mean? Why does he say that? You know, how do they know that the wolf didn't have a name yet? You know, like, did he hear them talking about that? Does he know what Summer did? It just leaves you hanging, wanting more. You know, he wakes up and he just says it. So anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, my second nomination is Bran 2. This is the chapter where um, Bran, Bran falls from the tower or is pushed from the tower. <laughs> Um, correct me there um mm-hmm. what's so what's really cool about this chapter is this is a great world building moment in terms of winterfell we get we get interactions with bran and the guards bran and his mother bran and maester lewin and even his mm-hmm. father and it's just and what's really awesome about it is when you read this chapter it's talking about him, you know, running on the walls and jumping, the feeling, the feeling of climbing a wall, the pressure in his fingers, the, the, the strain in his muscles. And as you read it, you, all I can think about is, man, George R. R. Martin must have been a climber when he was a kid because <laughs> it's, it's so real the way he's discussing it. You know, he's, you know every, mo- every movement. And 
we get kind of this general idea of the shape of Winterfell, um, just how it's laid out, and just I don't know, it makes it like a real place to me. And we get a great moment with uh, Maester Lewin, who you know, Catelyn's like, "You need to stop climbing these walls." And then Maester Lewin's like, "Hey, check out this clay doll I made." And he chucks it off the roof, and it breaks into a million pieces. And he's like, "Yeah, but I'm not made of clay, dude." And so, get a, get a, get a nice, funny moment there. We get a little, little, little intro into Maester Lewin and how he is. And then that final moment where he's climbing the tower, we get to overhear, we get the big, you know, reveal that Cersei and Cersei and Jamie are bumping uglies and just, <laughs> and then they're talking about this conspiracy to kill Robert. And that's the moment that that's kind of one of the moments where you read it and you're like, Oh, okay. The plot's expanding. Like this, this isn't just, you know, we have the suspicion that John Aaron didn't just die out of nowhere. And this is kind of the confirmation that some, that something big is afoot. And then, you know, you get that moment where Jamie reaches to bring Brand Brent into the tower and he looks at looks at Cersei with loathing in his eyes and he pushes him out the window. And I mean, we just didn't even see it. You know, we're we're shocked. And, and I, I feel like, love. Yeah, that great line by him. And I and mm. I don't know, whenever whenever I read it now, I just see like the struggle in Jamie. You know, he's just he has that moment, he's like, I don't want to push this kid out, but if he if I don't I'm dead. Cersei's dead. My kids are dead. And I can't have that happen. And he pushes him out. And you're just like, oh my gosh. Like he just shoved a, like a six year or seven year old out of the, out of a window. <laughs> and that is totally a book thing because in the show, that struggle is not there. I yeah. agree. And that's <laughs> why I liked reading this chapter because it gave Jamie more depth. Mm-hmm. Most, I agree. Definitely agree with that. So that is why I think Brand 2 deserves the win. All right. So my next nomination is Brand 4. So this is right after he woke up, or, you know, sometime after he woke up. His first chapter since he woke up. I'll put it that way. Um, and Brand, Brand is really coming to terms with what his new life looks like. He has a lot of grief and anger and resentment. He's watching people in the courtyard do what he should be doing. And he's really struggling with his new reality of being paralyzed. So um, we get to spend time with old Nan, which I love because she tells him stories about the others and all kinds of history tidbits that later will come into play or later we'll be glad that we know about. And it's all thanks to old Nan. I love any time I can meet some old Nan. Um, <laughs> There's also a line that, as an overanalyzer and a conspiracy theorist that I love, um, there's a line in this chapter where it says Brandon Starks had all become one person. And I like that. Um, but this <laughs> is when Tyrion comes back from the wall. And he brings the uh, plans for Bran's saddle so that even with his new handicap, he's still able to ride. And... Again, I just love the, intera the interactions between the Starks and Tyrion and how he's kind of like, whoa, like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what did I just walk into? He's totally <laughs> blindsided by all of their, like, disdain and resentment. And um, also, we kind of get a further peek into what, what it's like at Winterfell with, with Catelyn gone and Ned gone. And, you know, the dynamic is shifted and all this pressure is on the boys. And um, once again, they have a nice, nice moment between Bran 
and Rob. That's pretty, pretty special. But um, yeah. And also we find out about that. Uh, they find out about Benjen as well. So there's just a lot of information coming in this chapter, but I love that it's through the perspective of a child. And so it never starts to feel dry or info dumping because you're getting it through the perspective of somebody who's just learning it for the first time. They're learning everything for the first time. So that's why I really enjoyed this chapter. Wonderful. Ooh. Okay, Brooke, the suspense. <sighs> all right. <clears throat> After hearing all of the discussions, <laughs> I got to go with brand three. Madison, ah. you take it again. Oh, Harrison, honorable mention to brand two, Harrison, because yeah. you got me with the discussion. That was a good discussion. Yeah. But I think the dream, it said, George said so much was so little. And like you said, Madison, we could talk for 12 hours about that dream and still come out with different outcomes and different perspectives. And so I think that's why that was the best brand chapter of the series or the, the book, excuse me. I I, hum- I, I I humbly agree, actually. So, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're doing an honorable mention, I think you just got to do it. So, just <laughs> Wonderful. So All right, great. Well, why don't we uh, scooch on to the next uh, award? This is going to be the oh. best John chapter. And I will be the judge, and Brooke and Madison will give out the nominations. Um, kind of like I, I, I mentioned before, I feel like this book. Uh, John isn't really fleshed out as much as he is in the later books. So this is why I kind of wanted to be the judge for this one, because I was like, okay, I want to see what other people see, because at this point, I'm not too impressed with John. Um, why don't, um, let's see, how about Brooke? Why don't, you, uh, why don't you start us out? Okay, so my first nomination for John, best John chapter was John 7. I titled The Others Are Here. <laughs> Um, this chapter is awesome because not only is John now officially a brother of the Night's Watch, um, but after him and Sam um, bring back the bodies with the others of Othor and Jaffer, I think that's how you say it, after finding them dead beyond the wall, they rise again and attack. John ends up saving the day, he saved Mormont's life, and we're finally reminded that the whole political aspect of Westeros that we've been reading about chapter after chapter with Ned and King's Landing and the Starks versus the Lannisters, um, we realize that means nothing in comparison to the fight of the living versus the dead. Um, So I thought that was, you know, we heard about it in the prologue, but that was chapters ago. We have completely forgotten about this. John 7 is chapter 52. So as you're reading, you just get bombarded with all of the political aspect of King's Landing and Westeros, and you completely forget about the fact that there are these terrible things north of the wall that are coming. Um, We also, best minor moment of the chapter I had to mention was (laughs) when Jon goes after Sir Alistair for being a major dick, because it was well-deserved. So (laughs) that's why this was my first nomination. I love it. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a great, that was a good minor moment. I like it. <laughs> All right, uh, Madison, why don't you give me your next one? Okay, so my first nomination is going to be. Um, we know I'm not good at doing this. John six, I believe. Okay, so yes, <laughs> I'm gonna say it a hundred times tonight, probably. But I'm a big fan of world building, and I feel like this <laughs> is a great chapter to really get a look into the Night's Watch. And what are some of their customs and traditions and what does a ceremony look like for them? And 
and how does it all come about? And I just love the big speeches that we get in this chapter. I love kind of the formality of it. Um, and not, I, I just, I just want to read this because who can not hear this and get chills? Okay. Night gathers and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall take no wife, hold no land, father, no children. I should wear no crowns and win no glory. I shall live and die at my post. I am the sword in the darkness. I am the watcher on the walls. I am the fire that burns against the cold, the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes the sleepers, the shield that guards the realms of men. I pledge my life and honor to the night's watch for this night and all the nights to come. You knelt as boys, now rise as men of the night's watch. Like, come on. Oh, yeah. Does baby. it get any cooler than those oaths? <laughs> and then it does, I didn't get to make it on for this character. But it does have one of my favorite lines, the, the ending final line. Gods be good, Dywin muttered. That's a hand. <laughs> that is a good one. That is, that is a good one. Right? That is that's a cliffhanger. So that's, I get jazzed and amped. And I'm not obviously going to read this. But um, the old bear, Mormont, gives a really kick-ass speech earlier mm-hmm. um, in the same chapter. It's one that, like... It should be like a YouTube clip and like it gets a trillion shares and everybody's like, yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel motivated. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, uh, Brooke, why don't you give us a, your second one? All right. Second one is John 2. Um, here comes goodbye. No. So this is the chapter <laughs> that we get. Um, it's a really sad chapter, but it's re- it's a nice chapter to read because we get all of the goodbyes. John has decided that he is going to go become a brother of the Night's Watch. Um, and so we get the goodbyes between John and his siblings. Bran is still in a coma. So he goes to visit him and Catelyn is still in her emotional state up by Bran's side. And we get this really intense exchange between Catelyn and John. Catelyn doesn't even want to let John say goodbye. John says, you know, normally I'm afraid of you, but I'm not going to be today. This is the last time I'm going to get to see him for who knows how long. Um, mm. So he actually defies her, which is for John, I think, is a big moment because normally he like steers very clear of her because I think Catelyn has not made his life very nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, we get that tense interaction. We get the goodbye between John and Rob, um, where Rob says, the next time I see you, you'll be all in black. And then you also get the goodbye between John and Arya, which was so sweet. You can tell that they had a really great relationship with each other. And John gives Arya needle. So, I mean, that's like, that's huge. Arya has needle for forever. So, you know, and it gets her out of a bind in a lot of different situations. So that's why I nominated John too. Good choice. Great choice. All right, Madison, why don't you give us our, your second nominee? Okay, so I picked John 1. And this is the chapter where we get to attend a feast at Winterfell. So um, the Starks are hosting the Baratheons and all of the royal parts a feast. And it's just magnificent. But it's interesting because we get to see it from the perspective of a bastard who has to sit at the back of the hall. And he, I mean, he gets to come. So, I mean... It's not as bad as he's making it out to be in his broody John way. <laughs> but and he gets to drink he, all that he wants. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you are at the banquet, okay? Like, you're not, you know, working the, the 
you know, the the outhouse or something. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, he thinks he's going to sit in the back. But he actually tries to make it be like, actually, I'd much rather be back here. But anyway, so it's great to get again. You get kind of introduced to a lot of characters. Um, he gets to you get to see them. You know, all the Lannister kids paired off the Stark kids and kind of start to draw some assumptions and theorize a little bit, you know, this early in the story, you don't really know where it's going. So you're like, okay, like maybe they're going to be a thing or, you know, I love the line too, where he sees Jamie Lannister come in and he says, now that's what a king should look like. Um, so mm-hmm. again, I, I love the picture that this paints, the scene that is set. Um, then afterwards he decides, you know, he's drunk. He's over it. He goes outside and we meet Tyrion Lannister, who is my favorite character. And, um, you know, Tyrion and uh, Ghost have an interaction, which is kind of funny because they tend to kind of um, be at odds from time to time, <laughs> Tyrion and Ghost. <laughs> but we get we get um, a little bit of insight into who Tyrion is as a character as well, even though it's a pretty short interaction. He, you know, he's witty and he's kind of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, not disrespectful, but kind of flippant about the whole thing. It's like, oh, yeah, Lannister has made it a uh, But he also shows that he has some wisdom and some insight. We get the super famous, all dwarves are bastards in their father's eye line. And I love the very end. Here's my other pretend nomination for the best line, the best ending <laughs> line, is that when he opened the door, the light from within threw his shadow clear across the yard. And for just a moment, Tyrion Lannister stood as tall as a king. So mm, this I is just like a fun, yeah, this is a fun topic for me because, you know, we get to quote unquote, be introduced to a lot of cha- a lot of characters from John's perspective. And just like I enjoyed going to the tourney, I enjoyed going to this, um, to this banquet, this feast as well. So it just was really fun read. Not Beautiful. to help Madison or anything, but that would be an <laughs> alternate. So props to her. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, um, just a note. Um, I think also a point for John One is we get to see um, Tyrion do like a triple axle backflip off of the roof <laughs> of a building. So I think uh, yeah. that, that's probably like greatest feat award or something like that. <laughs> Um, okay, no, great discussion, guys. Um, those are some awesome, awesome John chapters. Um, after some thinking about it, listening to you guys are saying, my winner for the best John chapter is going to be John 7. And this is when, and it, so it goes to Brooke. <laughs> so, Wasn't counting on that one. Cool. So, so one of the big reasons I chose that one is not only is this kind of the suspenseful moment of like, so we get to see Sam kind of be quote unquote useful in this moment, you know, like he does kind of the whole Sherlock Sam moment. Finally. And then when they, yeah, they bring the bodies over and then when the bodies wake up, it becomes so real. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, we get kind of that taste of it in the prologue, but then throughout the whole book, you count, you kind of forget about it. And you're like, okay, was that like a real thing? Was that actually a big deal? And this is the moment where it's like, yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, though, I, though I will give a, um, an honorable mention to uh, John 6 as well, just because it's true. I do love the moment where they go through and explain like, oh, these are all the jobs around the wall. And this is what they do. Mm-hmm. And this is why it's important. And, and then, you know, we get the moment where John is just kind of a 
whiny teenager but (laughs) (laughs) and those vows how can you beat those vows pretty much yeah the vows are definitely out there they're iconic at this point they're iconic yeah like you get that tattooed on your back kind of a thing maybe i do have that (gasps) i knew it (laughs) okay let me punch that in there real quick brooke Brooke one okay so why don't we move on to our next category this is the best eddard chapter and this is i want to say this is kind of a big one because he has the most chapters in this book mm-hmm. um i believe it's like 15 or something like that yeah that's a lot when some of them have i think the least amount five yeah i believe mm-hmm. aria aria is the one who has i think she has five chapters mm-hmm. yeah so yeah that's a big jump which just a note by the way when we get into clash of kings that's going to change dramatically i think Arya ends up having the most in the next book so yeah and coincidentally ned has the least <laughs> wait how that happens. oh i see i see what you did there <laughs> okay um so uh madison you are going to be our judge for the, the best judge. in our the chapter judge. Okay. and me, me be, and Brooke are notes, going to guys. Right, and me and Brooke are going to be doing our nominations. Um, how about uh, I'll start for this one? Okay, okay so um, my first nomination for the best Ned, uh, Ned chapter—I'm just going to call him Ned—is um, Ned Three. And the reason I have nominated this chapter is because, kind of like I mentioned before, this is the tail end of the first Sansa chapter, which is the ending of like the greatest short story within these books. And the reason why it's so great is because they get word that Arya has been found after she fled when Nymeria attacked Joffrey. He goes into this courtroom that's just shoved, or this this room that's just shoved full of Lannisters. There's this hostile feeling towards it. He's not having a great feeling about it, which in hindsight, it's, it's true. Nothing good really happens because of this. And I think, but I think the biggest thing that happens in this chapter is we kind of get the re- kind of the real evidence that Robert has fallen um, from what you know what Ned believes he was because when just sorry I'm going to bring up other chapters in Madison <laughs> if you want to uh, object here but <laughs> when we first meet Robert when we first meet Robert I mean you know he's totally different he got fat and. You know, it's kind of like, okay, like he's he's different looking. I don't know if he's different who who he is. And this is the moment that we realize he's changed who he is. Because mm-hmm. he totally crumples into Cersei, who's just kind of making these demands. And it's like, why in the world would you even accept those demands? You're the goddamn king. Like you don't need to do this. But and and just that moment when Ned gets pretty hostile about it, he's like you know what if, if you if you want this to happen grab your this damn sword and go kill her yourself at least do it like a northman at least do it the way it's supposed to be done and robert just walks off and i think we all just lose a little respect for him and we're feeling pretty bad about the job that ned just took mm-hmm. um we get the breakdown of Arya and sansa in that moment and ned heads out we get the execution of Lady, which is just really rough, especially because kind of like I mentioned in the brand chapter, we get this like amped up moment where we're like, oh, these direwolves are going to be big. Like they're going to make these giant moments. They're going to be throughout the whole book. And then one's dead, like before even the middle of the book. And you're just like, whoa, like, okay, like 
that's kind of intense that just happened. And then we get kind <laughs> should of... should be our first sign that no one's safe. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's a one-two punch because Lady dies and we're just like, oh, dang. And then afterwards, the hound rides by and he's got Micah on the back of his horse, Arya's friend. And he's just been cut from waist all the way up through to his shoulder. And we get kind of this cruel moment of the hound just being like, yeah, he ran. He didn't run very fast, though. And it's just another, like, it's mm. like a sink and then another sink down. And it's it's just a great chapter. So that, that that's why I haven't nominated that one. All right. Very good. All right, Brooke, what, what do you got for me? All right. So I have Ned, see, 12. So in this chapter, we get the most passive-aggressive showdown between Ned and Cersei. And it <laughs> is life um neither one is lying to each other i think it's honestly one of the most honest chapters of the entire book but what is so frustrating about this chapter and why i love it so much is that ned thinks he has everything figured out and under control he even offers cersei and her children an escape before he tells her that he's gonna go tell robert about cersei and jamie's relationship and that the kids aren't robert's they're jamie's and but yeah, he really has no idea what's going on. Cersei is at least two steps ahead of him. And this is what seals, I think, in my opinion, what seals Ned's fate is because he revealed his cards and we get that famous line, you know, you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Um, so that's why I nominated Ned 11 or Ned 12, because I it's one of the only times we get Cersei and Ned alone. It's a super honest and vulnerable chapter considering how they are basically rivals at this point. And, you know, it's just, it's a good chapter to read, but it sucks because Ned thinks he's doing something right and he's really, like, signing his death certificate. So that's why I nominated this Mm -hmm. one. Just a note for that. It's also, like, the big Cersei chapter because she's not a point of view character at this point. There's also not really a POV that hangs around her a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think this is like the chapter where we're like, okay, let's let's look into Cersei and see who she is, you know? At least mm-hmm. for this book. Very good. Very good. <clears throat> okay, so my second nomination is Eddard uh, 7. Now, this, this chapter occurs, um, it's during the hand's tourney. And Robert has mm-hmm. decided that he wants to fight in the melee. <laughs> so after after Ned and uh Suberson observe the body of Sir Hugh, who was a squire to John Aaron, they head over to Robert Robert's tent. And we we just get like this I don't know, there's just a great mixture. You get a mixture of humor when Robert sends off his squires to go get the, the breastplate stretcher, which is a great <laughs> line in the show and in the book. They laugh about it. And then we get kind of like Ned Ned and Barrison basically they break like Robert's glass castle almost like in a sense because Robert's all pumped and he's like I just I just want to hit something I want to be in this melee I want to fight and they just break the reality to him they're just like look no one's gonna hurt you you're the king they're gonna let you win and Robert is just so you can't even like comprehend it to the <laughs> point that he just lashes out in rage like he tells Barrison he's like get the hell out of here before I kill you which you know that's pretty intense for a king to say to to his commander of the king's guard 
Mm-hmm. And then, then we get this really just down to earth, real conversation between Nin and Robert. Robert's basically telling, like, "Look, I, I I don't feel alive anymore. Ever since I won this throne, like everything I loved, everything I've strived for, it's all gone now. I've lost the woman I love, even the passion of what I love of fighting. You know, you know, man stuff. You know, drinking beer and hammering up drywall. You know, it's all gone. <laughs> and <laughs> and I think the one of the biggest thing about this chapter is the fact that it it basically reveals to us that while Robert's rebellion saved them from a from a tyrant and some terrible things happening, it broke these two men beyond repair. Mm-hmm. They're both you know haunted by their past, by the ghost of Leanna, and Robert just he's lost who he is completely, and it just really makes us feel for him. And it, but I, I just I don't know. I love the connection between Ned and Robert in this scene, just because you can feel their friendship, their history together, coming together. So that's why I've nominated that chapter. Very good. All right. Yeah. So second nomination. Also hard to pick. <laughs> <laughs> But, but go ahead, make it harder. Go ahead. Right? <laughs> Ned 6. Um, I like this chapter because Ned is so tired of this hands tournament. It hasn't happened yet, but he's tired <laughs> of hearing about it. He's tired of it being in his honor. He doesn't want anything to do with it. So we are getting a lot of sassy Ned. Love me some sassy Ned. And <laughs> um, we find out that the because of the hands tournament, like um, King's Landing is full of crime. Um, it's costing them a lot of money. Little Ned is like trying to figure out why Littlefinger can find money for the purses for the tournament, but he can't find money to pay more men for the night or for the city watch. So Ned actually donates some of his own. Bad idea. Um, he, he, I like this chapter too because we're getting our our the reader's first clues on twincest because Ned is reading the old book on ancient lineages and he's stumbling upon the fact that all of the Lannister children have golden hair and all the Baratheon children have dark hair, but he just doesn't get it yet. And we get to meet Gendry. So of course this is a good chapter. Our first <laughs> clue technically not to be too technical, our first clue is when we saw them doing it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ned's first clue, I guess. <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm joking. I'm like, I mean, if you want to get technical, them literally making babies maybe a clue. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. So like it's right. on me now, right? It's it's on Yeesh. you. Okay. It's on you. So I am gonna go with my original pick like what when i saw what you guys were giving me i did make a snap judgment and i do have an honorable mention um Mm. my honorable mention is going to be where did i put my little notepad i already lost it oh no no, second notepad okay okay so i already i don't know the chapter reference number but my my honorable mention is going to be um when this is the the breastplate stretcher chapter (laughs) it just it had a little bit of everything and it gives you some hope which is very sad (laughs) but it gives you some hope like maybe this is going to be okay like maybe robert has enough of the old robert left in him that ned can remind him of who he wanted to be and they can they can pull this thing off together (laughs) Yeah, right. you're sad again soon. 
But yeah, well, especially that, especially that moment when Robert's very like, "Oh, the the singers are gonna sing about our raid. It's gonna be great." And you're yeah, like, "Okay, I got yeah. it." So that moment of happiness, it, it makes it appealing. But anyway, that's my honorable mention. My first, my my winning pick though is going to be in the Game of Thrones. You win or you. <laughs> I gotta, yeah. I gotta go with that. And even though Ned is incredibly frustrating in this chapter, like it's just like a slow motion car wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's I love that it's the reader's first real look at who. I mean, we get we get an idea of who Cersei is, especially in that Arya's little trial with Lady. We understand that like she's a bitch and like she's up to no good. And obviously, <laughs> we know that she's okay with pushing little boys out of a window. Like we get an idea, but this is our first. Um, real showing that Cersei Lannister is here to play. Like, she's not just a, a bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's not just a, a little side villain who who wants to be queen. No, like, she is here to play. She's a player mm-hmm. in this game. And uh-huh. it sets up one of the greatest villains of all times. I gotta go with that chapter. So, Brooke, you got Rats. it, girl. Thank you. Congrats, congrats. <laughs> All right. Why don't we uh, scooch on to the next one? This is the best yep. Daenerys chapter. Going to get some heat. Right. Um, <laughs> so, Brooke is going to be our judge, and uh, me and Madison will be doing the nominations. Um, how about here? I'll, I'll start the nominations. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, my first nomination is Danny Five. This is the chapter. It starts out with Danny eating the heart of a stallion. That's the most badass way to start a chapter ever. <laughs> She's chewing on this thing, talks about her practicing of drinking, of eating like dried blood and horse meat to get ready for it. And what's, what's really cool, what's so cool about this chapter is just the Dothraki in general. We, we like dive into their culture and we're just kind of surrounded in it when we're in a Danny chapter. But this particular chapter, we go deep into it. Like there's, just, there's all these great moments in there and and you know it's like we're looking into this culture from the outside and we could just tell how important this moment is you know it's it's Mm -hmm. one of those things it's like i don't understand this but i respect everything about this for them because it's obviously extremely important to them and so she finishes eating the heart they go out to the to the to the water she's basically bathed in the water water they bang real quick but you know it's just a side <laughs> note and then we get the 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 the, 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 the first major character death which is Viserys. he comes in drunk he's got a sword and what i love about it is when he draws the sword has the sword in his hand the people in the tent tense up we as a reader tense up and we're just like oh my gosh shit is gonna happen right now and then we get probably one of the greatest narrative shifts in my opinion in the book when Danny stops referring to Viserys as her brother and refers her him to as um, the man I once believed as my brother or something along those lines mm-hmm. and it's just a great moment where we as the reader just go oh no like the moment happened and then I mean come on come on he died by having gold poured on his head like <laughs> it's pretty intense so anyways we get great cultural moments in that the shock of the care of a character death and just i don't know just respect for the dothraki culture and that whole thing so that's why i've nominated that chapter good choice all right so my danny nomination is actually 
the chapter before that, <laughs> it's Danny Four. <laughs> and this is what I call um, Welcome to Vase Dothrak. <laughs> so <laughs> you get to experience like coming in to full on Dothraki culture in this chapter. And again, I really do think that all Danny chapters have a lot of world building and teach you a lot about the culture in each chapter. But this one was just really enjoyable to me to see everything through her perspective. It's things she's never seen. It's smells she's never smelled. It's languages she's never heard. And on one hand, it feels a little bit like information overload for her. Like it might be that way for her, but she's really beginning to embrace her culture and her new role as a Khaleesi. And she, I think it's kind of like the wide-eyed wonder. I love how, oh, I just love seeing everything through her perspective um, as we are also learning about this culture for the first time. Um, one thing I find interesting in this chapter is that she is really almost eagerly and like her, she's really shifting from victim Danny and um, like, I really didn't ask for this Danny to, you know what, maybe I will be a badass Khaleesi. Like, maybe maybe this is not so bad. Um, so she's she's immersing herself in the culture. She's accepting her new role. She's learning what it's like to be, you know, a wife of a cop. But at the same time, she does keep making reference to her, either her old life or her, um, the life she sees and she envisions in the future. Like, where she thinks about her son sitting on the Iron Throne. Or at the very end, when she imagines her real home, you know, the house with the red door. And so she kind of always has one in, one put out. But the reason that this chapter is really so good to me is because she, she's basically, she wants to do something nice for her brother. And she really sees that he's not fitting in. Everyone's making fun of him. So she wants to do something nice for him. She goes out of her way to have this outfit made for him and a dinner prepared. And he just comes in and, and is an asshole. Like he's a huge... <laughs> A terrible person and this is my moment where i think harrison said in the last chapter that she has a moment that you're like oh like okay she's like grown up like she's she's here to play to me this was her moment when she says you are the one who forgets himself didn't you learn anything that day in the grass leave me now before i summon my cause to drag you out and pray that caldrogo does not hear of this or he will cut your belly open and feed you your own entrails like come on yeah. like she is a bad bitch you know <laughs> and I'm just like I'm like, I'm like Danny said that like little cute like 13 maybe 14 year old Daenerys just said that and it makes you kind of be like okay like well, I gotta pay attention to this person. so that's I love that moment that to me is my like her coming of age moment awakening and feeling her woman power Boom, that woman power. Woman power. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, so my second nomination is going to be Danny uh, 8. Wait, pardon. Yeah, 8. So, uh, Danny 8 is the chapter where Cal Drogo falls from his horse. And in that moment when he falls, we as, re- we as the readers are just like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, that, that does have some significance that he just fell. Mm-hmm. And ju- just to see someone who is so strong and such a badass just go to this, you know, in the, into the state where he's comatose. He can't even think, you know, especially the moment where he talks about how he used to be able to catch those blood flies between his fingers and squish him. And now one's, like, crawling across his lip. You're just like, oh, no. Like, Aww. this is really bad. Yeah. 
And the other big thing, it, it, um, so Grimm, Grimm's a good horror writer. He, he writes, you know, suspenseful mm-hmm. stories a lot. And just like in that, in that John chapter, when the others wake up, that's kind of like a good suspenseful, intense moment. This chapter really shows that off as well because they bring Cal Drogo in. She calls for Mary Mazdor and she's just like, look, like the, there's going to be a big price to do this. And Danny's like, just do it. She pulls out a bronze dagger with like probably a creepy smile on her face, at least in my imagination. <laughs> and um, basically just crap hits the fan. I mean, she kills a horse, drains the blood into this pool. And we we're just like, whoa, 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 what's happening? And Danny leaves. There's all this fighting, all this death around around this tent as demons are dancing inside of it. And then that that crushing, like, oh my gosh, don't go in there moment when Drogo picks her up and walks into the tent because her baby's coming out. I mean I mean that's that's like a scream at the at the at the um at the movie theater moment. You know, you're yelling at the screen, <laughs> like, don't go in there, don't do it, you know. Um I don't know, just there's a lot of action, a lot of intensity in that chapter and just kind of freaks you out just a smidge. So that's why I've nominated that chapter. That's yeah, that's mm-hmm. a crazy chapter. <laughs> All right. So my second nomination is for Danny Six. And this chapter, she goes to the bazaar and almost gets poisoned. That's the one. But um I like this chapter because I feel like she's kind of figuring out like how to be a wife she's like okay well i really want to ask my husband for like a big thing like i want to ask him to relocate move across you know move to another country <laughs> and like i already know it's going to be no 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 for like i know what to do like i'll just like keep on sexing him up and eventually he'll say yes like she's not too worried about it yet but he goes on like a fishing trip with his buddies or something and he he leaves her with jora and jora's like i know what'll cheer you up let's go to the farmer's market so they they go out for a nice Saturday morning stroll at the market. And this is where it picks up on that plot twist with Illyrio and Varys. And so basically Varys has sent somebody to poison uh, Danny. And Jorah leaves to go check his mail at the P.O. box or whatever. And um, Danny's done. It's like Sam's Club. Like they got samples stuff so or Costco. <laughs> you guys have costco or sam's club so anyway sam's she's club. getting free samples and jorah comes up <laughs> and he's like listen that's probably poison and that's when like all the you know the shit hits the fan the action gets crazy and there's a very very short chase scene <laughs> i think the guy makes it like eight feet before he gets tackled <laughs> down by all of her her honor guard or whatever and when Cal Drogo gets back, he's pissed and he's like, my woman wants a chair. She's getting a chair. And they kind of have their Dothraki version of that King in the North scene. He's like pumping his fist mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. like, listen to me. Like we're going to cross the, the sea and we're going to take the throne. And I thought I, I, that's pretty exciting because that's close. That, that right there is closer than the series ever got to the throne. Like mm-hmm. just having Truth. his support and his excitement, like that right there is closer than he ever got. So I just think it, it's funny because the last line again is pretty good because the guy who tried to poison now he's he's a prisoner and he's not being executed. He's just tied up behind the horses, and so no harm will come to him as long as he could keep up. Well, we all know that they didn't 
his pace. So yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Boy got drugged behind some horses. Like that's a bad way to go. Oof, yeah. But yeah, that's much. a fun chapter for me. Okay. Great. All right, so. Brooke. <clears throat> All right. Honorable mention Ooh. goes to Danny Four. Because who does not want to go to Vice Stock Rack and go to right. the marketplace? And we just get to see, like, you know, we've learned that that the um, that the Dothraki are, like, these very harsh, nomadic people. And, you know, they plunder and they pillage. But then we get to Vice Dothraki and, like, the rules change. And it's mm-hmm. a time for peace and to sit down and come together. And I just like the contrast between that. So honorable mention goes to Danny Four. But the winner for me... Is Danny Five Harrison? Yeah, you get it. Yeah, thank you. It's just an intense scene. You know, I love my girl Danny. I it's a great scene for Danny. She she gets through um, the heart eating ceremony. We get the shock. Viserys is really our first shock death. So I go in with Danny Five. That's a good love choice. It. So uh, I want to propose a question to you guys real quick. Okay. Um, why do you think no- neither of us nominated Danny Ten? The final chapter in the book. <sighs> I just know I, I was looking at it and I was like, why isn't Danny 10 on here? And I was trying to kind well, of fathom. I felt you know, like it maybe seems like a big moment. Obvious choice, maybe. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I think what it was for me is so while the chapter is very visually amazing in terms of its description, I I, I don't know, like the fact of the dragons hatching wasn't a big shock to me at all. Like I kind of, I knew it was right. happening the first time mm-hmm. I read it. I was just like, okay, well it's going to happen. And I don't know, like it's just kind of, you know, Danny's trying to break them from a different, you know, he's tr- she's trying to hand out these weapons. She's breaking the culture of it. And I don't know. It, it is just a lot of like building of a pyre basically, which, mm-hmm. which is cool and all, but yeah, it just for me, it's, you know, there's a lot of sadness and a lot of stuff and again not because it's dull that's not it it's that it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to see that i mean in the chapter you nominated it's there's a lot of bad decisions made that <sighs> i'm like or maybe not bad but maybe just things i would have done differently and in this chapter you get to see the consequences of every one of those yeah and just hearing about how her baby was and and the fact that she's already grieved it in a dream like she's over it like, it's just, it's kind of, it's very dark. And like Harrison said, it's not like it was a big twist ending necessarily. So I, I mean, I love that chapter, but I find it kind of, um, kind of a downer. Like, it's really heavy. Well, I, I think also for some reason it doesn't, it doesn't beg the question to me as like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? I don't know why no, that is. It's like, we, we have a pretty clear idea of what's going to happen now. Yeah, well, like, well, I think the other. I think part of the other reason is, is um, let me think Be- because dragons being introduced to the world, we don't really know Grimm's like kind of rules in terms of magic, in terms of introducing this type of creature into the world. Like we don't know like, okay, like what are, does he have limits? Is this going to like destroy the world? Like, you know, we're kind of like, okay, I don't know like what, what, where he's going to go with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I just found it. I just found it interesting that it wasn't nominated when it seems like such a. Big it is moment. interesting. It seems it seems yeah. kind of obvious. So, maybe yeah. we're just trying to be so original and cool. Yeah, <laughs> right. Sub- subconsciously, yeah. like but, dragons. I don't even care. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Who cares? <laughs> I, 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 I think part of the other reason is that all the ones we nominated are like in the middle. You know, it's like, okay, like we, we saw the buildup, this chapter happens. Now we want to know what happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. And with Danny, it's like, okay, like we know that dragons are going to hatch. It's kind of a cool buildup. And then it's the end of the book. And it's like, okay, well, we don't get to see what happens afterwards. Right. We have to and get she to the had next a really book, good so. beginning, middle, end storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah, it was, like it, if, it was a complete if, if arc. If her chapters were a short story, if her chapters were smushed together as a short story, it could technically end there, and you'd be like, oh, I would love to know more, but that was a cool story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so That's the, how I the feel middle too. is where kind of like things start, and then like the, the you go, oh, really? Right. Right, like Rob, like Catelyn's chapter where Rob is ki- crowned king in the north, it makes you want to go uh, go out immediately and read Clash of Kings and read what's going to happen with the war and everything else. But with Danny's chapter, like you said, it's almost like it's not it's final. It doesn't make you feel like, "Ooh, I want I wonder what's going to happen next." It makes you feel like, "Okay, more would be cool, but like I'm happy with this chapter." You know what I mean? Like big, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay, why don't we move on to our last, um, this is our last chapter nomination we're going to do, and then we'll get into the, the kind of the nitty gritty other ones. So our next uh, category is the best Tyrion chapter. Um, I'm going to be the judge, and Madison and Brooke, we're going to give the nominations. Um, how about Brooke, why don't you start us out? Okay, so my first nomination was Tyrion 8. I love this chapter because we get our first Tyrion and Shay scene. Um, and as much as I dislike Shay for what happened ends up happening to Tyrion in the show, um, don't know, I'm sure, I think it's about the same thing that happens in the book. Um, I think they really are very well matched. Like, Bronn could have went out and just found any old prostitute off the street. And he gets Shay, and she's witty, and she kind of matches Tyrion's um, intellect a little bit so I think it's fun because it gives him somebody to spar with a little bit so I think that's a cool that was something cool and um, it's nice to see Tyrion in a vulnerable state rather than his comedy defense that we see him often he uses um, you know he knows that people make fun of him because he's a dwarf and he uses that as his shield like he told John. but it's nice to see him vulnerable with Shay and want to just be loved and held and, and, you know, get that girlfriend experience. Like we talked about when we were discussing those chapters. Um, we also get the battle of the green fork, which is a pretty cool battle scene. And even though Tywin might've been secretly rooting for Tyrion to die, (laughs) (laughs) um, Tyrion was a complete badass. I mean, what other character can take out an enemy horse with a spiky helmet. Nobody. It had to be Tyrion. So that's why I nominated Tyrion 8. Love it. Beautiful. All right, uh, Madison, why don't you give us your first nomination? So my first nomination is Tyrion 2. And this is when Tyrion is traveling north to the wall with Jon Snow and his little band of future Night's Watch members. And I just, I, I just, I love this chapter because we get a lot of good Tyrion lines, um, a lot of good moments between John and Tyrion. Um, we actually also get a quite a bit of uh, Targaryen tidbits in this chapter because mm-hmm. we find out that uh, Tyrion is pretty fascinated with dragons and Targaryen history. So he gives us little tidbits about the um, Targaryens, which is fun because remember at this point in the book. 
we haven't met a Targaryen. Um, so I think that's always fun little little tidbits. Um, but I mean, we get the um, a mind needs books as a sword needs whetstones. Like we get that line, which is a favorite. Um, we get that most men would rather die or rather deny a hard truth than face it. Um, that's a favorite line of mine as well. We get their funny little bits about grumpkins and you know laughing about the others and it's just a little little more reminder to the reader that there's there's stuff going on out there that we get to see um this is just one that i can read over and over and i just enjoy the information that we get the history um, i enjoy getting to know john and Tyrion, but more than anything i um i just love the oh, oh another thing i was going to say is that it's beautiful written as mm-hmm. um, he's never been to the north before and or this far north at least and so getting to see how everything transitions from just like a cold you know wasteland basically into you know it goes from hills to these beautiful blue gray mountains and he says something in here about how you know there's crystallized ice on type of the on the top of the mountain that looks like you know banners flapping in the wind because it's so like frigid and cold up there and so i just think that the the picture he paints visually is so awesome and um this is just a really i I don't even know that i could outline why i love it so much it's just like a special chapter for me Mm -hmm. great no awesome uh brooke why don't you give us your next one all right Second nomination is Tyrion 5. In Tyrion 5, we get the awesomely terrifying description of the infamous sky cells of the Eerie. (laughs) They are open. They are slanted. So you got to make sure you don't move too much or make sure more doesn't hit you too hard because you'll fall right off the edge. Um, there are things written in blood from on the walls from the last prisoners, either because they went crazy or they want to try and warn the next person. So that was pretty cool. And we also, <laughs> I love this chapter because Tyrion is very cunning. He's very witty. He uses his gift of communication to trick Mord into letting him out of his cell. He gets, he confesses, quote unquote, confesses his crimes to, to Liza and gets underneath Liza's skin, <laughs> which anytime anybody does that is good in my book. And right. I just feel like this chapter, like there's so many funny, like thoughts and comments from Tyrion that it's a favorite of mine. And of course we get the, we get the famous, I demand a trial by combat. So mm-hmm. I like Tyrion five. Perfect. So good. Perfect. All right, Madison, well, like give us I your last you nomination. Yeah, I told <laughs> you guys, it was very hard for me to pick two <clears throat> because I could make a case for pretty much any Tyrion chapter. So Tyrion 2 was one that I just talked about that I might, I was like, oh, I'm thinking about kicking it out because I don't know that I can make a case for it, but I ended up keeping it in there just because I love it. But Tyrion 1 is my next choice. And this chapter is just loaded. It's just almost a perfect chapter, I think. So we get to meet Tyrion. We've we've heard of him a little bit by reputation. But we get to, this is his first, obviously, it's called Tyrion 1, his first POV chapter. And he, they're in Winterfell, and he has spent all his time there so far um, in the library. Well, pretty much. We know he went to dinner at one point because he met John. But for the most part, he's locked himself up in this library tower because apparently Winterfell has a very impressive library. And Tyrion is a scholar and an intellect. So 
he's been up there hanging out with the books and he decides to come down for some brekkie and he <laughs> he uh has an interaction with the hound and joffrey and joffrey oh my gosh this is when we really get to realize that joffrey is just insufferable like bran has just fallen <laughs> quote unquote fallen from a tower and he is like in a time probably paralyzed and probably is gonna die and like not only is he being rude about it but like, he just gives he couldn't even give two shits about it he's just being and he's like flaunting how much he doesn't care and Tyrion just doesn't even hesitate to put him in his place and it's great like not only does he verbally just smack him down but he literally slaps him <laughs> twice and it's so good so he oh, basically man. forces Joffrey to go apologize. And then he gets to breakfast and he's sitting with um, his siblings and Cersei's three children. And he is so observant and so cunning that he is basically able to figure out exactly what's going on just by sitting with them at breakfast um, based on how well he knows them. And he can see, you know, glances being exchanged and the way that they're wording things. He's just like, oh, my gosh, like you guys are involved in this thing. Um, and I think it's it's subtle, but it's very much so there um, when, when you're looking for it, especially. But um, I also love the fact that he says the line that that wolf is keeping that boy alive. And so mm-hmm. that shows to me that he's observant enough to know that there's a connection between the Starks and their wolves. Um, let's see. I don't know. I just think it's a really good to see also how, how loyal he is to the Lannisters. Because a lot of people would think that he just doesn't care because he's so nonchalant, so easygoing, so dismissive. But in the end, he says, why, Jamie, my sweet brother, you wound me. You know how much I love my family. And he says it like he's all offhanded. But in the end, like we know that Tyrion loves his family. And I don't mm-hmm. think he, anybody ever takes him seriously about it or gives him enough credit for that. But, I mean, he he knows his family is terrible. But he's like, hello, I'm right here. I'm willing to spoil. I'm willing to support you guys and help you. But you don't include me in any of your plans, any of your secrets. And so, like, that ends up being a liability for them. So. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay, so um, the uh, Madison did struggle choosing her chapters for this, and I was like, okay, I think I, I need to make sure I do a, some good research on this to make my final decision. And um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to uh, Tyrion Five in which is Brooks' nomination for him being in the Sky Cells. There's some just just the description of that is so beautiful and so like terrifying that mm-hmm. it was just, it was, it was just a great reread in that, for that chapter. It was just like, Oh yeah, this is, there's some stuff going on. I don't know how he's going to get out of it. And more, I mean, more is just, it, he's like, he's like funny almost. Like, he's just <laughs> such a, it's just like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this is a person. I almost want to love him. He's so terrible. You almost, so close so close um (laughs) but i'm going to give the 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 nomination the the winner of this category to madison for her choice in Tyrion one nice um congrats madison i um probably the big reason was when i reread that it's like it's like four pages or something Mm -hmm. like it's a it's a very short chapter and it kind of blows my mind how much is in it because if you think about it it's like okay Tyrion leaves the library disciplines his nephew 
and goes to breakfast. That's literally what happens in the chapter. (laughs) But we got so much. (laughs) But there's so much. And it's, it's, it's a great introduction to him. And I, and I think it's definitely a, I think it's a better introduction than what the show put out, which was a mm-hmm. fine introduction. But I we'll, we'll get there. We'll and get that's there when we get there. It was very different, but I didn't mind it. But right, I will. Yeah. And uh. I was just so you guys know, real quick, my two that were my almost made it to nominations was his first battle. So when they fight the um, clansmen, and he, he's like, oh, untie me so I can fight. And then also when we got <laughs> to meet Tywin, and he brings in the. Ooh, the clansmen yeah. <laughs> yes. and uh, intro- introduces yeah. them to him. It was hard don't, to pick, don't, but that was I will say though, Madison, that Tyrion one was my alternate, so you earned that one. I I agree. It's so yeah. good, yeah. It is great. Well, you know, what I love about that. We just mentioned six Tyrion chapters, and we're just like, oh, they're all so amazing. You know, <laughs> it just shows you how good this book is. All right, guys. So we um, that is all of our chapter uh, nominations congrats to us we made it <laughs> so, that was fun this is good this is good all right we're gonna shift into kind of the second second half of our award show and this is where we're gonna talk about like best female character best male character uh favorite humorous <laughs> moment things like that so our first category up is the best female character in the first book of this of this series um madison you're going to be our judge for this and all myself right. and brooke we're going to be nominated so um i'll start my first nomination is Sansa Stark. Now, um, like I mentioned before, Sansa is the character that's changed the most for me as I was reading this. And just to see her change from this girl who had all these hopes and dreams to to the ending where she's going through this depression, she's going through this really rough time, and she kind of it's it's kind of like it ends with her just kind of putting on her suit of armor and just being like, "All right, let's do this. I'm in the middle of this." of this lion's den and I'm going to survive. That's kind of the feeling you get at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I, that's why I nominate Sansa for the best female character of this book. All right. Love so it. my first nomination <clears throat> was Cersei Lannister. She is playing the game of Thrones and right now she is winning. Uh, <laughs> Cersei is the female version of her father, Tywin. She's cunning, fiercely protective of her family and the Lannister name. She's also married to the king and has her lover slash brother close by. Girls got it made. So that's why Tracy Lannister is best female Solid character point. right now for me. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, my second nomination is Catelyn Stark. Now, I know, kind of like I mentioned before, um, Catelyn's pretty heatly debated, especially some of the choice, choices she makes. But the reason why I think I've, I've put her as the best female character is the amount of traveling and the amount of events that occur around her mm. kind of signifies mm-hmm. how important she is. Um, I love the changes she goes through. We start off as a, her being her, a loving wife to her husband, goes to a loving mother, to a distraught mother, to her waking up and being like, I need to act. I need to move forward. I need to make a change because my son just got attacked and I need to do something about it. She goes, she ends up cap- capturing Tyrion, which is a questionable decision that she made, but it leads her to, um, basically, she kind of sees this, this one side of the war, especially when she meets up with Lysa. She goes, then meets up with Rob, turns into kind of a counselor for her, and I, and I love the struggle of her wanting to be a loving a mother to him but her also needing to, you know, be, her, be his war counselor and to, you know, suppress that from her. And I don't Excellent. know, she's 
she's got a lot of aspects to her and i'm ex- and i'm excited to read read more about her me too actually <laughs> all right so my second nomination it i would not be a true targaryen if i did not put up my Khaleesi <laughs> Daenerys targaryen but look how much Danny has grown just in this one book. She went from an abused princess to Khaleesi of her own Khalasar. There are red flags abound already. I will not lie. Knowing what happens at the end of the show and kind of looking back, you can already start to see some things. She can have a selfish nature. But as a Danny fan, I am so proud of her perseverance to get through the abuse from Viserys. The hardships of her marriage at first, let's be honest, she was not happy. She was basically being raped every single night. Um, eventually, her and Cal Drogo did fall in love, which I know it's weird, but I love me some Cal Drogo and Danny. Can't help it. There's just <laughs> something about it. And the death of her love, Cal Drogo, to become the mother of freaking dragons. You, that's just, mm. it's awesome. So that's why she's my second pick. I, uh, I I will put props to Danny actually to be honest, just because of that character arc we talked about. Or there is there is an end, and if if we never got another ga- book after this book, I think we would have been happy with Danny's story. So just just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. So as I'm making right. my decision, I'm having a hard time differentiating like best character from best storyline, which is mm-hmm. another which is another category. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, just based on best female character, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Danny. Ooh, Ooh, great choice. Good well, choice, actually. I'm going to go with Danny because she, she carries that entire storyline over an SO. So, and yeah, all of Brooke's points are straight on. <laughs> so I like I got to yep. say, though, Harrison, your argument for Catelyn. Totally changed yeah, yeah. my mind. That was because I was going into it. She was my bottom choice. Like if I had to judge out of those four, she would have been my bottom choice. And your argument co- totally changed no. that. That was my second I, choice as well. I was like, man, I almost want to pick Catelyn, and uh, I didn't I, obviously, I, but you got, you got me good. You got me good. I I I, I try. I I I got a passion Very for my nominations. Like, <laughs> All right. Uh, why don't we move on to our next category, which is the best male character in this first book? I will be the judge for this one, and Madison and Brooke will put our nominations out. Um, Madison, why don't you give us your first nomination? Okay. So for my first nomination, I'm going to go with Rob Stark. I think that this kid should just be commended. He is brave, courteous, honorable. Like He loves his mom. Is there anything more precious than a teenage boy <laughs> who loves and respects his mom and his siblings? He was good to John, which many of John's family members were not. But they were friends, and he loves John. He's handsome. He's totally selfless. I truly feel like... Uh, so many times in, in fantasy and like medieval type stories in general, um, this this uh, golden child, you know, knight, prince, hero guy is usually chasing glory or, you know, or something. But Rob uh-huh. really was selfless and just doing what was right for his people and trying to honor his father. And I just think that 
Um, his story arc is really impressive, but yeah, I'm nominating Rob Stark for the best male character. I especially like that part. You know, usually characters like that are chasing glory, and I don't feel like he is. So, props I don't to that. Know, one. He's a good kid. All right, Brooke. <laughs> All right, my first nomination is one that I actually I thought about. It, um, I didn't think about him at first, and then when I thought about it more and more, I really like it, so I changed it to my first one. Um, Gior Mormont, the old bear mm. himself. So Mormont mm. is the commander of the Night's Watch. He recognizes the potential in John to lead, so he takes him on as a steward, which at first John is not very happy about, but once Sam <laughs> beats it into him that, like, you're being stupid, he's trying to groom you for leadership. You're um, so dense. <laughs> he finally gets it. <laughs> So, but I like that even though he's giving John um, that steward position, he encourages John without giving him special treatment from the other brothers of the Night's Watch. So that's what I like about um, Morma. And he lives and dies by the Night's Watch. And he looks out for all of his quote unquote brothers as if they were his own son. So, you know, what a guy. (laughs) I I, I just want to note, Brooke, that is a very bold nomination and I like it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And And when I saw you nominated him, I was like, ooh. Oh, good one. <laughs> yeah. well, 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 honestly, that, that last line, you know, when he treats the members of the Night's Watch as basically kind of like his kids almost, um, it does make me recall that scene where he does talk about that. And it's just very like, man, this guy's got some care in his heart, you know? It just mm-hmm. you, feel, you feel comfortable around him. Yes. You know? All right, uh, Madison, why don't you give us our second nomination? All right, so my second nomination for best storyline is Daenerys Targaryen. Okay, so or, we are or, in. Or, or we're still on male character. Oh, male character. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Spoiler alert for my storyline. How do I do that? <laughs> oh. Okay. Best male character. Oh, Tyrion Lannister. Here's a big surprise coming from <laughs> Madison. <laughs> okay. So I just think, I mean, I read a lot of books, I read a lot of fantasy, and Tyrion is such a unique character. From the very beginning, we're like, who is this guy? Um, he's, he goes on such a journey throughout this entire book. And like a literal journey, like, like an epic <laughs> journey. But also, we, I don't know if it's so much growth or we just really get a chance to see all the complex and different sides of him. Um, but this book really does leave you wondering. Um, he is one of those characters that when it leads him off, he basically gets a big promotion from his father who openly hates him. And so he, he says to himself, like, wow, I didn't expect that. But I'm going to go ahead and break the rules the very first thing. So it <laughs> makes you go, what is this guy up to? But he is funny. He's loyal. He's smart, cunning. But he's also a very broken character. So a lot of times we get to see his um, his scholarly, intellectual side. We think, wow, this guy is like an advanced species. But then so many times, too, we see that he's so wounded and broken down and basically childlike and just looking for somebody to accept him for what he is and embrace the fact that he has something to bring to the table and so i just love it's just so heart-wrenching for me so i love Tyrion lannister and also we get some (laughs) of the best quips and some of the best quotes in the entire book come from 
Tyrion. You know, all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. Um, oh, and listen to this. Come on. How do you want to die in my own bed at the age of 80 with a belly full of wine and a girl's mouth around my cock? Like, that's... that's <laughs> a, it's iconic. doesn't get much better than that. That is a great, great line. I love it. Yes, it is. So, cheers <laughs> to my man, Tyrion. There we go. Um, Brooke, what is, who is your next, your second nomination? My second nomination obviously had to go with Ned Stark because he's Eddard freaking Stark. He's full of honor, maybe to a fault. He's a great father. He's a great husband. He carries our story pretty much. You know, he's basically the, one of the main focal points in our, um, Westeros political story part of the part of the first book so you know he's he's lord of winterfell carries out justice in his own hands when it's due um you know he is a loving husband to cat he is an amazing father to john Mm -hmm. his bastard (laughs) oh yeah totally (laughs) um and honestly, he's one of the best secret keepers out there. So, <laughs> for sure, pretty so much. That is why I nominated Dead. <laughs> this is a really awesome list of characters that you guys put up. In my opinion, you got the bold move from Brooke putting out Gior Mormont. You got Rob Stark. I, I I love what you said about Rob Madison. I thought that was some great arguments for him. Um, so I'm going to give an honorable mention to t- to, to Tyrion. Mainly because he's he's such a great iconic character in this book, and he's going to explode in the next book. Mm. It's gonna be, it's gonna blow us out of the water, and just keep an eye out for him in, in next next time's nominations for the Clash of Kings. <laughs> but definitely definitely um, honorable mention to him just because of how much he goes through in this book. But I am gonna give the award to Brooke for her choice of Ned Stark, and mm, I, gotta and I just. And I just want to note that it isn't just because he dies in this book. While that is like an intense <laughs> moment, it's not just because it's the only chance to give it to him. The, the thing I love about Ned is not only does he bring himself along in this book, he also brings so much of the past with him. And mm-hmm. I mean, how can you go wrong with, you know, a tortured war veteran, basically, you know, like, <laughs> like just, True. you know, everything, everything that gets dug up around him is just so interesting and so intense. And, I think not only is the past his past great, but I love his loving moments with his daughters, with his sons. I love the father figure that he is. So I'm gonna give it to Ned Stark. Good choice. Can you guys oh. still hear me well? My headphones died, so I had to just go on like the external speaker. Is that fine? Yeah. I actually think I can hear you better, honestly. <laughs> huh. Well, here we go. <laughs> All right, you know, that no, sounds great. Perfect. Okay, one, let's move on to the next ca- um, category. This is the best minor character. And Brooke, you are going to be our judge for this. And myself and Madison will be doing the nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start out. Uh, my first nomination is Maester Lewin. I love Maester Lewin a lot in this, in this book because he's established as the mentor, the teacher for mo- mainly Bran. Um, I, lo- I love his thoughts of like, Hey, if I take this clay doll and chuck it off the, the, the roof, a visual, you know, explanation of why running around the walls is bad. I just, I, I don't know. I like the way he thinks about it. And the moment that really convinced me that he's a great minor character is when 
Bran is telling him about the dream that he had about Ned being in the crypts. Maester Lewin like dismisses it, but then he's like, you know what? Let's go look in the crypts. And it wasn't yeah. like a, I don't know. It wasn't a very, it wasn't like a sassy comment. It was a, Hey, why don't we go test this? Let's, let's go down there and see if it's true. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, he's willing to let his pupils, the people he's teach explore and to find out for themselves kind of a way. So that's why I've nominated Mr. Lewin as the best minor character. It's a good choice. So for my first nomination, I'm going to go with another Maester, Maester Eamon. Um, I mean, Ma- Maester Eamon is just a guy that we that we know. Um, he's just somebody that, I mean, wouldn't you just love to sit by his fireplace and talk to him for a whole evening and listen to his stories? Um, he's, off, he's been referred to as the wisest man in Westeros. Um, and I think he might also be the kindest. But he's not just some you know, jovial Santa Claus figure who's just happy and knows to say the right things. He definitely knows how to say the hard things as well and to put things in perspective. And he has a couple of the best quotes in this entire story. I'm not going to read them all, but we have the, what is honor compared to a woman's love? What is the duty? Uh, what is duty against the feel of a newborn son in your arms? We have that quote. And that one just wrecks me. I mean, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. We also have a craven can be as brave as any man when there's nothing to fear. That whole quote, uh, he's so good. He always knows the right thing. So it's Maester Eamon for me. Yeah. He just oozes wisdom, you know? Yes, he does. <laughs> um, my second nomination is Sarah Farrell. I think the biggest, <laughs> the biggest reason for this is because he's in, I think, two chapters, and that's it. And the amount of impact he has is incredible. And the thing is, even even in the chapters he's in, he's in the ending of one Ned chapter and the beginning of one Arya chapter. And, they, and as far as I recall, that's about it. I think he's and, in three, but... Is he in three? Yeah, because he's in the ending of the Arya chapter where he's like, oh, I'm going to let you keep Needle, but just mm. the very, very end of it. But he actually that's talks true. to her and shows up and stuff. But yeah, just, just, I mean, just very briefly, though. Yeah, just like the impact he has is so big, especially on Arya. I mean, her whole, I mean, her, the rest of her story is altered because of what he, what he taught her. And I don't know, just like the way he speaks is very unique. Um, I like that he's bald in the story, actually. I don't know, it just adds a little bit to it. And he has, like, he's another one of those characters that I'm just like, I want to know everything about him. Like, he is so, I feel like there's so much there to unlock. And we may never get it, unfortunately. And I, I, just, I don't know. I kind of like that feeling of like, ah, there's so much behind this. And maybe one day, but I know I'm not going to get it for a while. So uh, that's why I've nominated Sarah Farrell. Very good. So I nominate The Hound. <laughs> um, in this book, I just feel like we get... So, yes, he makes some choices. He does some things that kind of set him up as a villain. But guys, this is grimdark. This is a lot of gray. And I think that's why we love the story. It's why we love um, Grimm's writing. It's why we love these characters is because there are so many gray characters that we can kind of love to hate or we hate that we love them. <laughs> um, and he's a great example because, yeah, he really was a little bit excessive with capturing Micah. Like, he didn't have to do that. But 
we get these moments throughout the story where you can tell that he is feeling protective over um, Sansa, particularly in this story. Um, and he really kind of is vulnerable with her and shares about who he is, how he became that way, you know, why he is the way he is. It kind of gives us the reader some perspective and a chance to be like, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should keep an eye out for that. Um, maybe he's not just a butcher and a murderer. Maybe he's here for the right reason. So I really am um, fond of the Hound, and that's why I nominate him for one of our best minor characters. All right, Brooke. Mm. Lay, it, lay it on us. Hit us All hard. All right. So <laughs> my, I had a preliminary choice. And actually, back when we were talking about a couple of other things, I changed my mind. And this discussion just solidified <laughs> my change for me. So honorable mention goes to Serial Pharrell. Mm. But the winner is the Hound. Because Boom. for me, there's more of a story there. And you, it, he okay. makes you want to know what more there, there is. Yay. So for me, it's the Hound. Love it. No, great. No, that's totally a great choice. I mean, he's, he's going to turn into a favorite of a lot of people. And I'm, I'm really excited to read more about him. Me too. All right. Um, next up, we're going to have the best humorous moment in the in, in the story and um madison you're going to be our um our judge and Harris and myself and brooke we are going to be nominating so um brooke why don't you why don't you start out for us okay so my first nomination was Tyrion five when Tyrion confesses to his crimes <laughs> before liza and the eerie because one what he says is just funny and two it gets underneath liza's skin so it's awesome um, he basically says, instead of confessing to the crimes that they think he's going to confess to, he confesses to laying with whores, not once, but hundreds of times. He wished his own Lord father dead and his sister, who is the gracious queen. Um, he hasn't always treated his servants with kindness. He's gambled. He's cheated. He said many cruel, malicious things. And he, he, he tries to go on, but Liza's just done with him at that point. But that part really made me <laughs> chuckle. So that's why I made that one. But I, oh, so we're not going to get to see the bad men fly. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Um, okay, so my nomination, my first nomination is going to be um, Renly laughing at the at the trial of Arya and Joffrey. And um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to read it. It says, um, when she got to the part where she threw Joffrey's sword in the middle of the trident, Renly began to laugh. The king bristled. Sir Barristan, escort my brother from the hall before he chokes. Lord, R- Lord Renly st- stifled his laughter. My brother is too kind. I can find the door myself. He bowed to Joffrey. <laughs> Perchance later you'll you'll tell me how a nine-year-old girl the size of a wet rat managed to disarm you with a broom <laughs> handle and throw your sword <laughs> in the river. As the door swung shut behind him, Ned heard him say, lion's tooth, and guffaw once more. I mean, he, he, guff- he guffawed. Like, that's... He's, cracking, he's laughing at his own jokes. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> so that that's my that's my first nomination that's good right, my second nomination is again going back to Tyrion. Tyrion <laughs> won when Tyrion slaps joffrey i mean it doesn't get much better than that he so says, satisfying right joffrey says um the stark boy is nothing to me joffrey said i cannot abide the wailing of women Tyrion lannister reached up and slapped his nephew hard across the face Boy's cheek began to redden. <laughs> One word, Tyrion said, and I will hit you again. I'm going to tell mother, Joffrey exclaimed. Tyrion hit him again. <laughs> now both cheeks flamed. <laughs> you tell your mother, <laughs> Tyrion told him. So I don't know. It, it's not even funny 
all that funny in the moment until later when you learn just exactly how terrible Joffrey yes. is. And then you think back and you're like, oh, that was so awesome. <laughs> like... <laughs> Pretty much. Um, my, my second nomination is involves Shaga. So uh, just the setting of it, um, Shaga and Tyrion, they arrive at the, in at the crossroads and they meet up with Tywin. And Tywin kind of is pulling off his kind of, he's like flattering them and trying to get them like, oh, you guys are so great. He says, um, <laughs> it's kind of subtle. Lord Tywin rose dignified and correct. Even in the West, we know the prowess of the warrior clans of the mountains of the moon. What brings you down from your stronghold, my lord? Horses, said Shaga. And, <laughs> and, and, and you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, that, that's what brought them down. He rode a horse down, you know? Like, and I mean, just, I, I just imagine this giant dude just being like, horses. That's what brought us down from the mountains. So, oh that's, my gosh. That's my second nomination. Uh, this is so hard to pick because they're all so funny, especially if you think of them in context, like knowing what we know now. Uh, okay, I'm... I'm gonna and, go. Just, just to note, this is definitely a tough category to pick, just this because we're, we're we're all we're all different in terms of our humor. But oh, but man, you know. I'm cracking up over here. Okay, I'm going to go with the King of Swag, Rinley. Yeah, because <laughs> we he's just, all just like one, so. he's just like smoking his nephew, like. He's just such a, roasting him a, so hard, and I love that's that. such a good way to put it. Smoking yeah. his nephew, I love it. Like, you got me by a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I gotta go with Brinley. Love it. All right, um, we're gonna move on to our next category: the most hated character. Oh, this is gonna be good. Now, now, just to note, this is most hated, not best villain. I think that's going to come a little later when we get a lot more villains in our story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this is most hated. I will be the judge. Brooke and Madison will give our nominations. Brooke, why don't you start off? All right. So my first choice is obviously Prince Joffrey, quote unquote, Baratheon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this one, I don't even feel like it really needs an explanation. But for people who might not be total addicts like us, Joffrey is evil. He's cruel. He's a little bastard, literally. Um, he, he is just, he does the most terrible things to Sansa, all to get a rise out of her. He has her, he has Marin Trant hit her um, repeatedly. You know, he, he's the one who gets in that fight with Micah and Arya. And he, you know, because he, because he initiated the fight, it's, you know, Lady had to be killed, and Nymeria had to be ran off, and he's just terrible, so that's why he's my number one nom. Good choice. Classic. <laughs> All right. Uh, Madison, give us, give us your first nom. Okay, so for my first nomination, I am going to go with Marin Trant. I'm not even going to give him the honorific of Knight, because he's such scum. He's not even a sir in my mind. Um, but Sir Marin Trant is the perfect example of Sansa realizing that her idealistic view of a knight is just not what it's like in reality. Because not all knights are good dudes. And Marin Trant is one of those guys that has basically no redeeming quality. Like the <laughs> Hound, we're like, whoa, what a terrible guy. But I kind of get where he's coming from. Or, well, he did do that one nice thing. Like, this guy, every time he's on screen, quote-unquote, 
on the page. He's doing something scummy. He's doing something terrible. Just feels like he has no moral compass. Like he doesn't resist. He doesn't have a a moment where he hesitates. He just, yeah, on one, people do argue that, oh, he's doing his job. But he could show a little bit of hesitancy. But it's like he's just waiting for the next terrible thing he gets to do for his job. And I just can't stand him. I think he's gross and I hate him. Even not moving forward with like what the books. He's just a jerk. And he beat the crap out of Sansa. And that's not cool. I agree. I mm-hmm. highly agree. All right, Brooke, why don't you give us our second nomination? All right. Second nomination is Grand Meister Picel. He is sneaky. Slimy, creepy, and annoying, all wrapped into one. He works for Queen Cersei, which automatically makes him a bad guy. He does not live a a maester's life of simplicity. And he molested Sansa, like I mentioned before, while she was severely depressed and practically suicidal under the guise of him trying to heal her, which is disgusting. And he just makes my skin crawl, and I can't take it, so. (laughs) And, uh... And you can't get that image of him stretching out of your mind. Oh, I hate the stretching! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Madison, give us your last nom. Okay, this can be done off recording, but I thought I was doing Joffrey. I don't know how it got. Switched. Okay, I, oh. I, I apologize because I had it as my first it's fine. one in my alternate, and then all of a sudden I was reading it, and I'm like, oh shit, that's not the one I was supposed to be no, reading. No, so honestly, I was... I, you were going to do The Mountain, right? Yeah, and I can I redo can it if you want. No, I can do it. Okay. Unless you, okay. Have, unless you have notes and stuff, like, you want to do it. I mean, I did write some stuff down, so I can take because it I would and I can let you redo cut, Joffrey. So... Yeah, do why, don't, why don't you do re-joff, redo Joffrey and I'll do, I'll do the mountain. Is that good, Harrison? Oh, yeah, 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 whatever you guys want to do. I can, I can move around. Okay. Okay. So for my second choice, I'm gonna go ahead and go with the obvious choice. I'm gonna go with Prince slash King Joffrey. <sighs> I mean, I just hate him. Like that's the category. Should I say anything else? Like I just hate him. No. <laughs> um, so basically, I mean, I, I have a list here, but like this guy is just the worst. Like what a worm. Okay. So he lied about pardoning Ned. And executed Ned. Like, that should be enough, okay? But he um, intentionally drove a wedge between um, Arya and Sansa. And I hate that. I hate him for that. Like, and the worst part is that I think that early on in the game, he just did it for fun, too. It's like he Mm -hmm. just liked being mean and liked seeing people miserable because of him. Like, he's just sadistic. He's evil just for the sake of being evil. Like, that's the worst kind of evil. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't offer the Starks his condolences. He's a huge jerk. He got Lady killed. He had Sir Marin beat Sansa, like beat the crap out of her. He made Sansa look at Ned's head. That's so horrible. I mean, this guy is bad. But I think to top it all off, like I could make go on with a list about the things he does that makes him so hateworthy. But to top it all off, he's annoying AF. Like, it'd be one thing if he was like, <laughs> I'm a big bad guy. But instead, he's a whiny, little, entitled, pretentious prick. And so the fact that he's annoying on top of evil, I just can't. Cannot with him. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Most understandable. 
Um, here, Brooke, why don't you give us give us your last nomination? All right, so I nominated Sir Gregor Clegane, The Mountain. Not only is this dude a monster in size, he's just a monster overall in general. He, We learn that he's the one responsible for the Hound's disfigurement, all because Sandor wanted to play with his toy. It's highly likely he murdered his father for lands and titles. He raped and murdered Elia Mark. He killed Rhaegar and Elia's mm. small children, and he's just an aggressive terrible person (laughs) (laughs) he is pretty bad um okay so uh this might shock you guys you ready for this Mm -hmm. okay my honorable mention is actually joffrey in this so and i'll explain it because when i announce my winner um my winner is Marin trant as the most hated character in this one so here's my reasoning in, in this book, one kind of like Tyrion, I think Joffrey is going to explode and get worse as the books go on. And the, the thing about this, though, Joffrey, while he is terrible, he's, to me anyways, he's a character to me. Hmm. But Marin Trant, when I, when, I, when I read that description in the last Sands chapter, I was like, That's a, that could be a real person right there. You know, like, oh, like yeah. it, it felt a little <laughs> right. more, a little more down to earth and less Real. over the top. You know what I mean? And so, just when I read when I when I read that, I was just blew my mind. I was just like, oh my gosh! Like I feel gross. Like reading it's like about he this got guy. that job just so he could legally be evil. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so He's I, wanted I, an excuse I, to be bad. So he, he for for me at least me personally, I you know. It, this could change just depending on who's the judge but for me personally i read that and i was just like it, it was set in stone like as soon as i read that chapter i knew he was going to get it if i was going to be the one nominated or being the judge for it it just wrecked me but guys don't worry i'm sure joffrey is going to win this category now. <laughs> <laughs> have all right um, shot at the win <laughs> all right guys we just have a couple uh, more categories to go um the next one is the best storyline uh brooke you're gonna be our judge and myself and madison will be the uh nomination do the nomination so i'll start off my first um nomination is sherlock ned <laughs> um, uh the uh ned has a great story in this i mean just to see him going from lord of winterfell going and as he's going down to king's landing have his having his image of robert be totally destroyed his haunting past of the of the rebellion um coming up throughout this whole thing him hiding the true parentage of john snow the story with liana you know as as from his description we get the great tower of joy scene you know as another theme of all the past coming back up and just to see his downfall I mean, I mean, I mean, his his storyline literally had us yelling at the book, and <laughs> yes. whenever whenever <laughs> whenever something ca- you know causes us to say things out loud or to, to physically do something, I think that deserves some some uh, attention. Mm-hmm. So so <laughs> Sher- Sherlock Ned is my first nomination. <laughs> All right, so I didn't actually mean to nominate Rob twice, but I did, and I'm going to stick with it. I got a little confused, <laughs> but. For best storyline, I am going to nominate Rob Stark because he had a pretty impressive, not just an entertaining storyline, but he really accomplished a lot. And he went from innocent lordling of Winterfell 
to the Lord of Winterfell, to the leader of a victorious army following the footsteps of his father, to king in the freaking north. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes, I mean, in fantasy, there's a lot of tropes that go along with a character like this. But what I love about a story like this one, that is a grim, dark fantasy, is when a trope is set up, you know that you're about to be pulled, the rug is going to be pulled out from under you, and you're about to end up on your ass crying, because tropes don't go the way they are supposed to mm-hmm. in grim, dark fantasy. And so it's this beautiful arc of this boy blossoming into a man and following in his father's footsteps. But then you look at the source material and go, God, this is going to make me sad soon. <laughs> Even if <laughs> right. you knew nothing else about the books. I mean, if he's had it good so far, all things considered. So it's just this ominous, ominous nagging that something, something more is coming for him. So I just really enjoy it. Awesome. Um, so my second nomination is Sansa. Um, we get that basically i've been vouching for her this whole time because we get that great short story at the beginning we get to see her her views on knights and everything just get totally shattered and then it ends on a great moment of her putting on the putting on her suit of armor and saying i'm gonna live i'm gonna live in the lion's den i'm gonna survive i'm gonna make it through um yeah, she's just it's it's a great story. And I think I, I think if I think if you if you decided to read the books by POV and just read the Sansa ones, I think it would be a pretty interesting way to read it, just to see her throughout the whole thing and not have other characters distracting you in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's my That own. would be an interesting way to do a reread is just read the POVs as individual works. Hmm. It would be interesting. Hmm. I thought about doing that at one point too, yeah. Interesting. Okay, mm. anyway, my second nomination for Best Storyline is Daenerys. So, when we are in Danny's point of view, we are in a whole separate world. Our only look into Essos is through her eyes. Um, her, her character arc and her growth is, like we've said already before in this, this one recording, <laughs> is that, you know, we get to see she has a clear beginning, middle, and end. She starts out one way, she ends another way. And, I mean, that's just satisfying the reader. Um, this is grimdark fantasy, and we, we taste that the most in her chapters. You know, that's where we, he flexes his muscle with um, horror writing and suspense and the darkness. And, um, you know, it gets very adult in these chapters. It gets, you know, uh, it's hard to read sometimes. And I enjoy that depth. And especially when a story isn't just only that. It's nice to have those little you know, breaks from it. But at the same time, that's where we are getting it. Um, her chapters are controversial. There's something for everybody. You know, there's romance, there's humor, there's stuff that's messed up. And then, of course, that's where all the magic comes in. The blood magic and dragons. And um, it just is the most... Um, it's the most... Um, eclectic POV, I believe. So I just mm-hmm. really have a great time when I'm in her POV. Okay. All right, Brooke. So, I 
didn't read too much into these beforehand because I am a Danny fan and I knew she was a nomination. So I tried really, really hard to take a non-biased look at this. <laughs> and it was a toss for me between Sherlock Ned and Danny. I did choose Danny only because it is, (laughs) like you guys said, like a clear beginning, middle, and end. So that's why I feel like it's the best storyline of the first book. I agree. I totally agree with you. Because, yeah, it it is a good, complete arc. All right. um, I think this next one we can kind of – we can get through it just a little – pretty quick just because we've talked a lot about these before. Yeah. So um, the next one – our next nominations is the best – big moment the moment that made us go crap or like no way or you know just a big <laughs> moment i'm gonna be the judge and brooke and madison will be the do the nominations uh madison why don't you give us your first one all right my first nomination is the prologue mm. so this opens up with a bang uh there's dead people they're alive and i mean it just shows you that this book is magic and You've mentioned it before. It's kind of not just the prologue to the book. It's the prologue to the whole story. And a lot happens after this. But it's important to remember that in the very beginning, something really wrong happened. Mm -hmm. All right, Brooke? My first big moment is obviously the birth of a dragon. Not only are are dragons badass, they become a major part of the story. They are a major part of history, so the more we get to learn about them, the better. And it's the beginning of Daenerys Targaryen, Mother of Dragons. So, big moment there. Good choice. All right, right, Madison? So, um, for my second nomination for big moment, I did pick Ned's death. Because not only is it a shocking moment... Because in this first book, it's mostly shock value, but it literally puts the rest of the story from here on out in motion, and it puts the seemingly secondary characters, um, it puts their, you know, their stories into motion, and really, there have been a lot of big moments in this book. It was actually kind of hard to pick two, but that's the one that is just pivotal for everything. Good. No. Classic choice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Brooke? someone had right. it. Right. <laughs> uh, right, second Brooke? choice was um, when Catelyn arrested Tyrion at the end of the crossroads. Even though you knew it was coming, it was still a holy crap, she's going to do it. Don't be so stupid moment. It completely changed the political atmosphere. Plans that people were making for the future were all fast-tracked because she let the, her emotions get the best of her and she arrested a Lannister without any valid proof. All right. Um, <laughs> these are going to be hard, okay. Harrison. <laughs> I know. These are good ones. It is, it is pretty tough. Um, so my monorail mentioned my jockey, guys. Um, I'm actually going to put my honorable mention on Catelyn arresting Tyrion. <laughs> mainly because when it occurs there's this build up to it occurring you know she's asking all these you know who do you serve do you serve my father will you follow me and you're just like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh and then she mm-hmm. declares to arrest him and my first thought when i read that was like okay hold on how is xyz this character that character and this how are they all going to react to this what's going to happen and so it was definitely a big moment when i first read just being like whoa like that's a big move yeah like something's gonna happen (laughs) yep um and i think i think the winner is actually a pretty obvious one i'm gonna give it to ned's death because name the amount of people who read this book and when ned died they said 
this is something else. Like this is yeah. Yeah. who does that. And it's kind of the same the same reason I gave it the honorable mention to Catelyn. Catelyn's story because I mean I mean just even as a writer just thinking I'm going to kill Ned and now I have all these characters I have to figure out what their reaction is to it. Mm. And I mean it's I mean it's the moment like when you say what happened in what happened in the first book? Oh Ned died. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give it to Madison for Yay, Ned's Madison! Death. Yay! <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to do our, this is our final award that we're handing out, and then we're going to close close it up for the night. And I know you got everyone will be highly anticipating our next Thronies award show. Yes! Um, the final category I is... <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> this was actually really fun to do, so... Um, <laughs> Our last, our last award we're handing out is the best final line. And th- this is referring to the last paragraph or last sentence at the end of a chapter in this book. Okay. So Madison is going to be our judge and me and me and Brooke will be do the nominations. Um, Brooke, why don't you give us your first one? My first one is an obvious choice. Catelyn 11, the king in the north. north. I mean, how much better does it get than that? So, anyway, obviously, first choice. Now. <laughs> it is. It, it's got some great hype to it. Um, my first nomination is, this one occurs in Danny 7. This is after Cal Drogo and the Kalsar take over the, the Landsmen's city. And Drogo's injured. They get Mary Mazur to heal her. And um, they're kind of ordering around, saying, hey, you need to remember, like, if the cow dies, you die too. And she says, as you say, Ryder, the woman answered him, gathering up her jars and bottles, the great shepherd guards the flock. And there's a bit, and the reason why this is good is because this is, I mean, you know, that's basically just like, oh, shit, especially uh, mainly for rereaders, because when you first read that, you're like, okay, whatever. But like the mm-hmm. second, third, and every time after that, you're like, oh no, like something bad. <laughs> like she is, like she's revenge plotting right now. So yeah. that's why I nominated that one. Good one. Okay. My second comes from Ned's very first chapter at Ard One. And I'm going to read the whole paragraph because if you just read the last line, you don't, you don't feel it. So it says, for a moment, Eddard Stark was filled with a terrible sense of foreboding. This was his place here in the north. He looked at the stone figures all around them, breathed deep in the chill silence of the crypt. He could feel the eyes of the dead. They were all listening, he knew. And winter was coming. <laughs> Ooh. so good <laughs> so awesome um my second nomination is this this uh, occurs in the throne room when ned goes to declare himself as protector of the realm and to take joffrey off the iron throne mm. as his men died around him Littlefinger slid ned's dagger from his sheath and shoved it under his chin he smiles apologetic i did warn you not to trust me you know and so I made this realization when I was looking at my nominations that this line is very good on your first read. You know, you're reading it and you're just like, wait, hold on. As people are dying, what's going on? And then Littlefinger pops in and you're mm-hmm. just like, you, you bitch. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Pretty much. So, so I think this, is, this line is great for the first time you read it. And then my other nomination is great as a repeat. You know, when you reread it, yep. it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's big. So those are my nominations. All right, Madison. Final winner. 
Okay. One-liners, give them to me again. Just one-liners. Just okay. one line? Um, I told you not to trust me, and the great shepherd guards his flock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The but- king in the north! <sighs> and winter was coming. Or is. Okay, I'm going to go with the winter's coming. Classic. I mean, it's, it is a Game of Thrones. Like, it's iconic. Yeah, the way both read it, it was so, so chilly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, uh, yeah. Good ones, though, guys. Really good. Guys, congrats, congratulations. We have officially finished our first Thronies Award. A round of applause! Oh my gosh, you guys are so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, I've been keeping track of our little competition this whole time, and it was close. Oh, okay. Hit, hit us. I, I, I'm two, curious. Three, four, five. So, we have a tie for first Ooh. between Madison and I. Oh. We each have six, and Harrison got four. Ah, oh, nice. All right, you guys will have to fight to the death. I'm not going to, like, argue with you, but I have seven. You do? Did I miss one? I have down oh. that I won. Big moment. Hated character. Storyline. Minor character. Arya, Bran, and Tyrion. Four, four, five, you are correct. six. I think oh, you're oh, right oh. here. <gasps> Look oh at my that. gosh. Your throne just got stolen from you, Brooke. How do you feel? Are and you just ready throne? to have a face-off? <laughs> or, or you die. Lightning round. <laughs> Lightning round, baby. We didn't All right. prepare for this. Well, Madison, you don't have to spend a dollar on shipping. You get to keep That's right. In fact, golden... I think what I'm gonna do, guys, is I'm gonna it's like a golden yellow color spray paint at gold and like put it on like a little throne or something so it'll look more like a trophy. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna like really doctor it up. Yeah. I love it. It's perfect. That's perfect, guys. <laughs> oh boy, guys, we finally did it. J- just realize we just closed the door. On the first book, like we're I know, moving it on feels like it super complete Basically. now. It does feel super complete. <sighs> All right, guys. Well, um, so the plan now is we are going to be watching season one of Game of Thrones and doing kind of a comparison to the book. So I guess it hasn't officially closed. There's like a little crack because we're going to yeah. talk about the book as we watch. There's the show, a window but, open. But like, <laughs> like honestly, I'm I'm going to put my copy of Game of Thrones on my bookshelf, and it's probably going to stay there for a little bit. Which right. hasn't happened in a long time. And it feels <laughs> great. <laughs> and we're going to move on to Clash of Kings soon. Um, if that's all we got for the night, I think we can close up. All right. Alrighty. All right. Guys, hey, hey, everybody, thank you guys so much for joining us at, at the Thronies Award. Uh, like we said at the beginning, we're the readers on the wall, and we had a great time doing this. Please join us for next time when we dive into the TV show. Um, it's going to be a great time. So thank you, everybody, and good night. Good night, guys.